Welcome to Broad Ideas. Guys. <laughs> Welcome. I'm a little low energy. Recovering from food poisoning. Forgive my unenthusiastic tone. <laughs> so, I don't know about you guys, but I know nothing about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> um, but we have a very special guest today who knows a whole lot about Lord of the Rings. Not only was he in Lord of the Rings, he also has a podcast, The Friendship Onion, which is basically Lord of the Rings based. <laughs> yeah, he, he played Mary in Lord of the Rings. Dominic Monaghan, for those of you who don't know that name, I'd say it's a household name, uh, was on Lost, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker. His other show, Wild Things, which is actually the most fascinating to me because it's all about animals and like venomous animals and he knows everything about every insect every reptile it just it's mind-blowing and that's what i honestly am the most excited to talk about weirdly and upcoming projects moriarty the devil's game it's an audible original series and um new amc plus series moonhaven they're both available now so dom join us sometimes when I don't even think I introduced myself. I'm Olivia, but I feel like we we've met before, met. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we should talk about that. We met at the Hollywood Bowl, I think, right? What? Did we? Did at you? The Hollywood Bowl? What was happening there? I went to see Radiohead with Fahudi, uh -huh. and he okay. was there with Leah, and you were there. Okay. With, Did you go to Radiohead with Leah? Yeah. With Were you there with Leah or a fella? Leah. I don't, I think maybe. <laughs> She's like, it's probably I was went, a fella, but. <laughs> I went to there were all many. <laughs> three shows. Same. Yeah. I'm you obsessed. went to all three Radiohead shows? I sure did. Oh, I fucking love them. The one where uh, Cigarose supported them. Oh, I, wow. I know Cigarose because they came to Hawaii and I got a chance to hang out with them. The one that Cigarose supported them at, I was like legitimately fucked up. Oh. <laughs> but it was an amazing show because I got a chance to like hang out with Cigarose afterwards. Not Radiohead because they're very bougie. Radiohead, they don't hang out with anyone. They don't? Nah. Too well, cool. They're too cool. I'm well, for that shit. I mean, they, they are. are Radiohead. They are. they are. They're the best band around. Right. They're the only band that could kind of steal the Beatles' crown, I which know. is difficult. Wow. So you're going to, okay. I've never heard that mm -hmm. take She's on like, it. I've never heard Radiohead. I've never heard of the Beatles. So <laughs> I know. But how yeah. do you feel about people that don't like the Beatles? This is a very important question. Yeah. I feel like, are we doing the show now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's on. This is how we start. I feel, I feel <laughs> we get like, right into it. I just want to make sure I don't say anything criminal. Um, I don't know. I kind of feel like if this is very snobby of me, but like just because I'm so elitist and such a big fan of the Beatles, like I have two Beatles tattoos. Okay. Um, wow. I, I kind what of. What are they? Sorry. Just. That's okay. So I have. Um, <laughs> I want to know. I have um, the love you take is equal to the love you make mm -hmm. on your back, which is the last thing that, that Paul McCartney wrote whilst in the Beatles. And wow. it's one of Lennon's favorite lines in the entire Beatles catalog. He goes on and on about it. 
when him and McCartney had really fallen out at the end of the Beatles during kind of Abbey Road, let it be period, he had said, even though Paul and I were like dead against each other in business and personally, he still had these moments where he could surprise me and write something beautiful. And he wrote, the love you take is equal to the love you make, which I kind of subscribe to. And then I have uh, living is easy with eyes closed, misunderstanding all you see, which is a line from Strawberry Fields Forever, which is probably one of the stronger Beatles songs for me. But um, <clears throat> I thought you were going to say the worst because you started to go, yeah, I, I, I was too. like, which way is this going? <laughs> yeah, no, it's one of the ones. It's my least favorite. I yeah. tattooed it on my body. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's one of the ones that just keep coming around and around again. Um I mean, I'm obsessed with the Beatles, but I'm certainly more obsessed with Lennon than anyone else. He gets frozen in time because he died. I know. So he didn't, he didn't get to get fat and old and uncool. Did you watch the documentary that came out or the... The what, Get Back one? Yeah, the yeah. Pete Jackson one? Yeah, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. yeah it He's was, like, I made it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, it was pretty extraordinary. But this is very snobby and I don't think this is necessarily true, but it, uh, it, like, I do kind of feel a little bit like if you don't like the Beatles, maybe you don't really like music. I agree. No, Listen, that's very snobby. It, it, no, it's, I don't it's, think it's snobby. It's not, because I will say, you know, we both have kids, and Ooh. they had a show called Beat Bugs, all right? Your kids did. So, yeah, it's a cartoon. They didn't make it. No, yeah, no, it's no, on no. Netflix. Oh. Sorry, yeah, sorry. My child like, wow, thinks that she... Yeah, she has her own show as far as she's concerned right. on YouTube, even though she doesn't. Right. But it was a cartoon called Beat Bugs, and it's all... Beatles music. Right. And the bugs are singing it. So she learned all the Beatles songs at Brilliant. three years old. And I have videos of her singing it. Yeah. And I feel like what what a great way to first introduce them to music. Amazing. Like actual, you know, yeah. songwriting and yeah. music. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit like, I mean, I probably feel this way about, like if you're into art in terms of drawing, painting, sketching, blah, 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 but you don't really think that Picasso's great, then my argument would be you don't really know that much about art there are these kind of kingpin people and i think more than maybe any other art form the beatles dominate music that particular genre more than anyone else i mean the amount of firsts that the beatles did they're still mm -hmm. first no one ever does them we were just talking about radiohead you know radiohead have very clearly set out this path where they create a sound that is successful, that resonates with the audience. And then they say, okay, we're going to rip that up and start again. And that's <laughs> what the Beatles right. did. Yep. If you compare someone like Coldplay to Radiohead, and I really like Parachutes, the first album, and to a lesser degree, the second album, and then the third album was kind of nonsense, and the fourth album was <laughs> shy, and the fifth album's nonsense. <laughs> what they do is they find a sound that they like, and then they just keep repeating it. And that's not what the great artists out there do, the great art, like Picasso goes, hey, cubism. And they go, oh, okay, cubism. And he goes, oh, no, now I'm doing this. Now I'm doing sculpture. Now I'm doing drawing. Now I'm doing stick figures, you know? So I think the Beatles are extraordinary and they make me super happy. And like, <laughs> yeah, if I'm struggling, yeah. if I'm yeah. like struggling emotionally or anything like that, the Beatles, I just like Yeah, kind of, yeah. Stevie yeah. Wonder's a big one for me. Oh, so like, ooh, what's your favorite Stevie, Stevie song? Wonder. To like make me feel good? Yeah. Um, for once in my life, mm -hmm. it's probably the one that I'm just like, oh, <laughs> life is okay. Yeah, and then what's like your emo Stevie song do you have? Um, there's a few songs on Inner Visions that kind of, uh, like, there's something kind of heavy about Too High, because Too High, you know that song? Too High. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's like, you know. You've you've smoked a little bit too much weed. And maybe you're <laughs> dropping into like feeling a little 
sketchy. And, you know, that for me has a heaviness to it. Um, yeah, so probably that. Yeah. Too high. I remember as a kid, like one of my favorite songs that I would actually play on repeat was, uh, I don't know the actual title, but I Never Dreamed You'd Leave in Summer. Right. It was in Poetic <laughs> Justice. Have I talked about this movie before? No. Do you know this movie? Yeah. Janet Jackson, Janet Tupac, Jackson, Tupac, Regina yeah. King, you yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's in that. And it, I was in sixth grade when I was obsessed with this movie. So I became obsessed with that song. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's like a normal song for a 12-year-old to be like no, not really. bumping How in their bedroom. How does it go again? I never dreamed you'd leave in summer. You know, oh, it's yes. like really beautiful. Yeah, it's kind of I a lament, right? Yeah. Sad. Yeah, it's very <laughs> sad. But I think I listen to a lot of sad music. I'm I not- do too. Yeah. Sad music makes me feel happy. You know, I grew up on the Smiths. I grew mm-hmm. up on Joy Division and New Order. These are both, these are, all three of those bands are from Manchester. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of deep kind of sadness in Manchester. You know, it's a, uh, it's a blue-collar, working-class city. It's very, very cold. Rains a lot. Yeah. You don't see the sun too often. And what happens with artists in Manchester, because they get told that being artistic is in some way gay mm-hmm. and not accepted, uh, is that they get pushed down and pushed down and pushed down. And then when they reach, like, 18, 19, they explode with a kind of, like, well, fuck you, I'm going to do it anyway, which is what happened to Morrissey with the Smiths, which is what happened to... Ian Curtis with Joy Division and um, the Stone Roses and New Order and, you know, these extraordinary artists that came out of Manchester. I think in London, it's much more accepted if you want to be artistic or dress mm-hmm. a little differently or, or act a little differently. In London, there's a space for it. There really isn't, or there wasn't, certainly from my experience, a space for it in Manchester. And it and it does something to someone artistic. It, it forces you down and then you just explode. Mm. But a lot of that explosion is frustration and sadness. And I mean, Jesus, Morrissey's almost his entire back catalog is like, why are you not noticing me? Mm-hmm. Why are you not seeing how great I am? And obviously struggling with his sexuality and stuff like that. Right. But a lot of like, hey, I'm brilliant. How come you guys don't see that? You know? Yeah. Interesting. It's yeah, amazing. It is. I think that, you know, it's almost like, what you were saying before, how, you know, the music and Beatles and whatever, how it, it morphs and, and they recreate and they try anything. I feel like as an actor, it's not so dissimilar where you're, you know, trying on all these different things. Like yeah. your career alone, you know, everything you've done, I feel like everything's so different, you know, yeah. and unique. Yeah. Uh, obviously, okay, so Lord of the Rings, you were in that. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> yeah. You were in that. Yeah. Um, I know nothing about it, okay? And this is a huge phenomenon, like, Huge following, but it has to be so cool to be part of something so historic, I guess mm. you could call it. Wouldn't you say that? Absolutely. Yeah. And like <laughs> such, yeah. He's well, like, yeah. no, no. It's like I disconnect from that. I, it's, I've done a lot of work on that stuff. Not that I was necessarily connected to it in a mm-hmm. profound way okay. when I was younger, but I just think it's it's been important for me personally to just to to not necessarily uh, connect too strongly to like you've done x y and z not right. only is it healthy for my career to be like i don't even feel like i got started yet and I, and I still have stuff to say but just from you know actors egoically are very much like oh you know i did this i did that and i'm like right. that's not about who i am really but yes objectively it was it was a, a big it was a big trilogy thing. of movies <laughs> for sure but yeah. that's it's only a small part of you like when reading about you you, you sound 
like the world's most interesting man. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. It's, it's, probably, like, it's probably my publicist. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I remember we share a friend, yeah. Leah, and I remember one day we were out in our front yard. Wait, I think I know the story. Yeah, you we were out it's in our... something about an animal, right? Yeah. <laughs> How'd you know? Yeah, we were in our yard and we saw this thing that looked like a snake mm. and it was really big and really long and... It had feet and legs and whatever. And Leah's like, let me call Dom. We got to just <laughs> take a picture and we'll send it to Dom. Yeah. And right away, you were like, that is an alligator lizard. Alligator lizard, yeah. Yeah, non-venomous, <laughs> nasty bite. Mm-hmm. My son, to this day, quotes you on that. Oh, no. Every time we see one, he's like, non-venomous, nasty bite. Yeah, strong bite. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful animal. Beautiful. I'm obsessed. I mean, this morning, Elijah... It sounds like I'm dropping a name, but he's just a pal of mine. Elijah Wood sent me a photo of a spider and he was like, Dom, can you identify this spider? And I was like, yeah, that's a wolf spider. It's okay. It can bite, but it won't bite. You should probably take it outside. I, I, I'm obsessed with animals. I have been for a long time. It's a huge part of me. But what I love about my <laughs> friends, because I've told them over the years, is one of my like whatever love languages mm-hmm. is if someone sees an animal and they can't identify it, if they think of me, Hey, Dom, I saw this thing. Do you know what it is? And if I can identify that, I'm like, oh, this is great. You're your own app. (laughs) But it's like, it's, I'm so stoked for that for me personally, because it's like, did I get it right? Am I correct? Did I I help someone? Did I empower someone? I'm going to quiz you on something right now, Dom. Yep. There was a really weird looking spider. I have no idea what the fuck this thing is. It was in there for a week. It's always key to take photos of that. Oh, that's a jumping spider. Uh Ah, that's what you thought it was. Did you see it jump? No. Yeah, they will jump. Totally harmless. Harmless? Yeah, totally harmless. Really creepy looking. There's only one spider in in LA, and I find them all the time. Brown widow? Uh, Brown widow? Brown brown or black widow. Recluse, you don't tend to see. That's like not here, right? Oh, they're absolutely here. They are? They're absolutely What? They're strictly nocturnal, so you won't see them until way past kind of 11 o'clock at night. Very shy. But I would like joke around with my friends. We'd be walking around you know, after going out one night and I'd be like, I bet you I can find a black widow in the next two or three minutes because they're, mm-hmm. they're really noticeable like after 11 o'clock at night. But, you know, Oof. if you tap their web, they just disappear. They, they, But their bite is medically significant, but they're beautiful animals. Like really. What, what does that mean medically significant? Medically like, significant. Yeah. <laughs> like are we going to the attention. hospital? Like are we, yeah. what, what's the deal? Yeah, I'm medically scared. significant means, you know, all spiders are venomous, but only some spiders have a, a strong enough bite to get through your skin and B, a venom which can actually do something to you. Most yeah. spider bites are itchy, annoying. Maybe you get this weird like sticky stuff that comes out. Yeah, it's weird. It's they not, jizz on you? It's kind of <laughs> yeah. like jizz. It's like it's your, it's your body's reaction to the bite instead of it like bleeding mm. or something. Oh. It just kind of has this sticky kind of consistently. It's a bit icky, strange. So that's the most dangerous local spider you would say is the black widow? The black widow is the only one. I mean, I've handled them. I, I kept them at home. As what? Long as, as, as long a as, pet? We, yeah, I don't know about the word pet. But like, <laughs> as a spider friend. Uh, yeah, I keep animals and especially venomous animals because I'm I'm interested in venom. I think it's really fascinating. With an animal, if, if, if it bites you or stings you, you've made a mistake. They don't right. do that just for shits and giggles. Do you know what I mean? They're doing oh, really? it because... It's a warning. They're saying, mm-hmm. hey, you hurt me or hey, I feel threatened. So with a black widow, their abdomen is extremely uh, delicate. If you drop a black widow from probably three or four feet, they'll explode like a like a cherry, like a, like a ripe cherry. So if you're like, you know, 
if you're dragging them across your hand and they feel like they're, they're about to fall or something, yeah, maybe they'll bite. But if you're holding onto them respectfully, then they won't. Venom is a very um, difficult thing, very expensive thing for an animal to create. It's mm. essentially like a, a modified saliva, but mm. the energy that it takes to turn their mm -hmm. saliva into venom, it, it takes a lot of their energy. They right. don't give it away freely, you know? Like, yeah. they're not just going to be like, Oh, a human. Well, let me bite and right. put some venom in there and see how it goes. They're going to do it when they feel threatened. Right. So I, that I, means I always... when you sleep? <clears throat> what do um, you do? I mean, because well, I feel like my kids always wake up with spider bites. They're and... probably, as humans do, rolling, as, uh, over. rolling over. So you've got, <laughs> yeah. a, you've got a spider on their arm. You know, they're half waking up and feeling a little irritated and they're scratching at it. And then they, their body has a reaction to like roll over or maybe they do this and the spider's scared and it right. bites, you know. Yeah. But I've always taught my daughter, like, they're not going to mess with you. Like, if no. you don't mess with them, they won't mess with you. I'm yeah. of the same philosophy. Yeah. And she's never been scared. And somebody, I think, I don't know, a kindergarten teacher like taught her a game. She's like, when I was a kid, you know, we would pick up bees with our hands and hold them, you know. Mm -hmm. So she was doing this at school for months on end until finally she got stung, obviously. Right. It's going to happen if Sooner you're, or later, you're yeah. holding bees. Yeah. So now she's terrified of them, but I really work with her on it that if you leave, you were holding it in your hand yeah. and playing with How it. How old is your daughter? She's seven, oh, almost okay. eight. You're yeah, done. so, you know, yeah, yeah. But so it's like, you know, just teaching them. We live in Southern California. There's lots of things. We've got rattlesnakes. Yeah. We have all these spiders, you know. Yeah. Baby rattlesnakes, more dangerous than adult because... Right, they release more venom. Is that is no, that a true? Is that a myth? That's not true. Okay, debunk ba it. <laughs> baby, baby rattlesnakes more liable to bite because they're more skittish. They're more mm. nervous. Mm -hmm. They don't have the experience of an adult where maybe they've been around a human, you know, and the human has not threatened them, so the snake is not like triggered to be like, I see a human, I bite. Right. A baby rattlesnake has no experience with that, so they're more nervous. If something comes over to them, they're just going to bite. They're also more defenseless because they're smaller and mm -hmm. animals will mess with them more. So they're just like, okay, if anything comes anywhere near me, I'm going to bite mm -hmm. because I'm tiny. Things will kill me. So that's why they're not, they're I'm not having moving. anxiety. Oh, not more my blood pressure. Like, accidentally. Yeah. No, my no, blood I'm like, pressure is actually really high up. <laughs> I'm like, is this weird? Because yeah, I have questions. You're one dog. of those assholes that is like when we're being attacked by bees, yeah. you're like, it's fine. You I just am of that don't mentality. move. And I'm, I'm freaking my balls her off. Her and Leah run for their lives, okay? Like terrified. Like, and I'm, I'm really nervous right now. Oh, the whole rattlesnake and it like makes my blood pressure Interesting, your human reaction. Yeah, mine is just to be calm and I'm like, they're not going to do anything. Are you yeah. not human? Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm not. Let me take off my I, suit. I kept, I kept bees for a little bit. I, like, I think three years or so, I had like two beehives on my property and I, I was kind of grandfathered in by by this beekeeper guy who's like 70 and an amazing beekeeper. So cool. Yeah, very cool. And like unnervingly strong, this guy. So like, I have like a, a set of stairs that go up to the top of this like little, you know, tables and chairs thing at the... At, where my house is, where my garden is. And uh, we put the beehives up there. So it's about 100 steps to get up there. Mm -hmm. And when a beehive is full of honey and bees, it's probably about 75 pounds, 70 to wow. 75 pounds. So we had two of them. So my guy, Bruce, was like, you take one down to the bottom because we're harvesting honey. I'll take the other. And I was like, are you going to be okay taking a 70-pound <laughs> hive? He's like, don't worry, I'll be fine. I was Fucked. I had to stop. <laughs> I had to stop four or five times, and I had a bee inside my suit. So I was uh, like, no, "I'm going to get stung." Um, and he just came. He came all the way down in two goes. Like stopped halfway through. Seemed fine. 
but he's just 70, just ripped, no fat on him. And I was just so impressed with him. But he had said to me right from the start, he doesn't wear gloves, he doesn't wear a hood. He's like, look, if you can get to a place where your breathing stays calm, where your whole vibe stays calm, then the bees will be less liable to sting you. And I've always been that way. I did a nature show for years. That's right. Yeah, and and one of the things that I one of the things that I tried to train my crew in a in a rudimentary way just to kind of get them more experienced with animals is if you are around or certainly holding an animal, I go through a mantra in my head, and you'll hear me do it on the show where I go, "You're okay, you're okay, you're okay, you're good, you're good, you're fine." Now, some of that is for the animal, but some of it's for me too. Right, sure. If I'm holding a, a hot snake. I'm saying to myself, you're good, you're good, you're okay, you're okay. And I'll say it to my cameraman, Frank, you're okay, you're good, you're good. But you're also communicating that, and look at your body. I language. know, I You're know. communicating that ener- <laughs> <laughs> energetically to the animal. You know, right, they, they don't for speak sure. English, but they speak body Vibes. language. They speak yeah. energy. You know? Yeah. What's yeah. the craziest thing you've ever handled? The most poisonous, venomous? I'm sorry, this is so fascinating yeah, yeah. to me. Um, I can't help it. What was her name again? We know her. I mean, probably the most dangerous is the black mamba, which is Africa's most deadly snake. You actually handled one? Yeah, I took one out of someone's bathroom in South Africa. Excuse me? Like they just called you up? Like up? Dawn yeah, so, Patrol. <laughs> yeah, so we were, we were doing a show about the white lion in, in South Africa, which is there's only like 13 of them Holy left. Holy shit. Yeah, and they've been like poached a lot. So we were trying to, well, we were doing a show about the white lion. And we had said to one of my snake friends who lives in South Africa, <laughs> we're like, look, if you see, if or, or you're working, because he's on call, if you're working with anything significant, give us a call and we'll try and get there and help you out. Lots of times it will be like a rock python, which is the biggest python in Africa, has just made its way into a house or a bathroom or a school or something. We were like, if it's a rock python, we don't really <laughs> don't call do us. it. It's a little boring. We've done rock pythons before. And then he called us one morning and he was like, we think we got a mamba in someone's, in someone's house. So we were like, okay, we'll be there in an hour. So he just closed up the house. We went in, took this mamba out. There has been no survival rate no one has survived a bite from a black member. Everyone that has been documented to have been bitten by a black member dies. Whoa. And they die in like 20 minutes, half an hour. <gasps> yeah, it's what makes very you... fast. <laughs> are you losing your okay? mind over here? <laughs> I mean, just, are you well? Look at you like itching. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's just interesting to me, you know. It's, an ama- it's amazing to think that this floopy piece of noodle uh, that... that doesn't look like the most dangerous snake on the planet. It doesn't look like a cobra or a vibrantly colored viper or anything. It's kind of a greenish, brown, like olive greeny kind of a snake with a black mouth. It has this ability to just switch off out. the human race, you know? So what'd you do? I want to hear what happened. Yeah. <laughs> took, it, took it out of the bathroom, you know, obviously. How? Not, uh, like, yeah. uh, well, I held onto its uh, tail and then <gasps> halfway through its body, held onto it with like a little, uh, like a stick, like a hook thing. Uh, and then you take it outside and uh, hold onto its tail and you just give, this is what you do with all venomous snakes. No. You, you, you give the snake any freedom and opportunity to be either safe and still or moving away from you. And then anytime it's moving towards you and being gnarly and aggressive, you then put it in a place of realizing that that is not okay. And you just find a vibe. So, you know, I think within probably, I don't know, I want to say like two to three minutes, the snake was like, okay, I'll just chill. 
Like, what the? I'm fuck? not gonna. I'm not gonna get close enough to you to bite you. I'm gonna expend all this energy. I can't escape right now, but I'm safe. And it went from kind of, you know, its head above the grass, kind of looking, and its mouth kind of gaping open, to just kind of like, all right, I'll just chill. And then we did. We worked with it, and then we put it in a bag and drove it into, you know, kind of deeper areas where there's no humans and let it go. So you, did you have like proper training on how to handle these things properly or what? <laughs> yeah, I'd been, well, I've, I've had reptiles all my life since I was a kid, but I've worked with kind of, you know, professionals mm-hmm. over the years to, you know, get me through different stages with snakes. So initially you want to work with slow-moving, non-dangerous snakes and see how that is. And then you want to be working with fast-moving, non-dangerous snakes. And then you want to be working with slow moving venomous snakes you just move up and up and up so you get to a point where yeah you get to a point where you you can work with elapids cobras mambas um but initially it's like pythons and stuff like that and that was your only mamba experience that's my only black mamba experience yeah um we've done you know we've done pretty much everything i mean you know any any kind of super dangerous animal that you care to mention we probably probably had some sort of run in with because that was the show you know yeah i didn't didn't want to my i I love animals all animals but my feeling has always been like dogs and cats and horses and rabbits and hamsters they're okay they've been saved we love them we're connected to them but we're never going to run out of those animals they're going to be good it's the hated it's the ignored it's the it's the ones that have the most amount of uh a struggle to to have any kind of like close living proximity with humans that we need to be a little bit more um, caring and considerate towards. And also just for humans to be able to know like, oh, you can actually be relatively close to these guys and, and they're okay. Fine. You know? There's rules. There's rules with all those animals. You know, it's a, it, it's a completely different set of rules with a cobra than it would be, let's say, with a rattlesnake. So, so if we run into a rattlesnake on a hike, what do we do? Yeah, you, the, so the rattlesnake thing is all about distance. Right. The rattlesnakes will only uh, react, respond if you break through their circle of safety. Mm-hmm. So if if this table here mm-hmm. is a rattlesnake, you guys are probably in the firing lane, but I'm okay because you want to be. You, <laughs> We're like, oh shit. <laughs> so so if you so if you see a rattlesnake. The, if if you really want to be safe around your kids, yeah, I really want to be safe. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so the first thing that I do when I if, if I see a rattlesnake is in the wild is I try and estimate its length. So if you see a rattlesnake and it, and it's it's you usually know, coiled. Or, if it's coiled up, it's yeah. harder, but you can do it. Uh, obviously, if it's elongated and heading away from you, you just kind of look and you go, okay, that rattlesnake is four feet. Mm-hmm. So if it's a four foot rattlesnake, that means that it has the chance to uh, bite you from two feet away. So if oh. you're three feet away. You're good. So you want to do some quick maths. If it's coiled up, it's a little harder to do. But you want to do some quick maths and then you cut that snake in your mind, not in real life, (laughs) in half. And then you make sure that you are half or a little bit more further away from that rattlesnake and, and you'll be fine. But that's that's for someone who has the ability to calm themselves enough <laughs> to do that. Because, yeah. like, for me, I would go into fight or flight, right? Yeah. Because I don't think I would have the ability you wouldn't be calm to, enough to be like, oh, that's and... a good... I don't even know if I'd be able to estimate its length. Yeah, yeah. Right? So yeah. so flight for you. Never fight. You, you never want to fight a wild animal. <laughs> or or freeze. Or yeah. freeze. Yeah, I'll freeze. Do I freeze I, or run? No, I would say probably... I wouldn't run necessarily because you... You, you know, usually get yourself in trouble if you run. Uh, like, flight is good. If you're walking down a kind of hike 
and you see a rattlesnake and it's in your path, then you probably, for you, you would probably think, okay, well, that's the end of my hike and I'm going to back Go the up, other way. You know? <laughs> if you freeze and get yourself into a situation of like, oh my God, I can't move. Yeah. And then that rattlesnake starts to move towards you. Oh, you don't want to be, you don't want to be stuck in that situation. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, pacing your way backwards, but you'd be surprised just how chill those animals are. It sounds like it's so cliche to say it, but it's totally true. They are all way more scared of us than we are of them because they associate humans with high level panic and people fucking, you know, trying to hit them with rakes and shovels and stuff. So they right. do not want to be around us. Yeah, we're the most brutal of animals. <coughs> Awful. Yeah, we're we're horrible. I was thinking of that the other day. Where was I? I was somewhere with my oh, Disneyland. Mm-hmm. I was at Disneyland and I was thinking, <laughs> were the weirdest of the all creatures on earth. We take our food, we kill it, and then we package it up in these little things. This is what you were thinking about at Disneyland? I have problems. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, we're the most ruthless creatures that we kill our food and then we decorate it and make it into all these shapes. What were you looking at? Like... Hot dogs? (laughs) Like, like, yeah, what? I think it was like corn dogs. Yeah. I was like, if you think about it, that was a... That was an animal Who knows ground what animal up corn dog was. and yeah. dipped in things. Like, imagine if someone did that to us, what we would think of them. <laughs> yeah, no, we're very, we're very, you know what I'm saying? We're sick. Them. We're also very disconnected from the natural world. That's you know? what, yeah, right. It's, I, I, I struggle to have those conversations with people because I, I get myself kind of wound up about it, but you know. <laughs> You're safe. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of times, because I am, I I do subscribe to being an animal lover. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times people will be like, oh, I love animals. I have a dog. And I go, cool. How do you feel about bats? And they go, oh, it's not for me. And I go, you're not an animal lover. It's You're not, a dog lover. But yeah. you eat animals, right? Uh, I have eaten animals. Yeah, I don't eat animals all the time. But yeah, I have eaten animals. Um, <laughs> what does that mean? You're well, like, like I don't. I, You're I'm kind not of like, a vegetarian or what do you mean? I mean, like breakfast is usually no meat. <laughs> and then lunch is usually no meat. I'll, you know, I might eat fish here and there. Depends where I am. You know, like my yeah. parents spend a lot of time in Spain. And in certain parts of Spain where they live. They have an extraordinary amount of really good seafood, and it's mm-hmm. kind of ethical. I'll eat uh, meat there and fish and stuff, but yeah, I don't. I wouldn't describe myself as like the biggest meat eater. But mm-hmm. I think you know, as an animal, we're kind of opportunistic omnivores, you know. So I I was strictly vegetarian for a little bit, and I just lost way too much weight. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not the biggest guy in the world anyway, but I went from like I don't know. 150 to like 130 and when I get down to 130 I look like a prisoner of war you know? right. and I was just like it's not and my mom every time I would like face chat with my mom she'd be like you need to eat meat I'm like oh well you know I'm kind of vegetarian right now and she's like yeah but it doesn't look good Dom like you need a little bit of something right yeah solid. I feel like you'd be of the philosophy of like growing it doing the whole thing yourself if you're gonna sure. right it's, I mean maybe I'm wrong but yeah, I'm because your appreciation of animals <laughs> like, that's rad yeah. He's like, yeah, sure. I'm going to f- farm some cows and I'm going to take them. No, I don't know. But there is something to that, you know? Like yeah. when you raise it, you love it, you have gratitude. Yeah. I could never kill something yeah. personally. Oh, do I don't kill ever it? kill a spider. Well, yeah, spiders and stuff like that. I don't that. ever kill any insects. No, no, no. Unless okay. it's insects a, are my favorite animal as well. So, What about a black widow? Do you feel like you no, have children in the it. house? You wouldn't kill it. What no. would you do? Take it out. But where? Just take Outside? it outside. That's where they live. So, people, so I do these Q&As on Instagram all the time. And very, very often someone will be like, um, I have ants in my garden. There's a lot of them. What should I do? 
And I and? went back and said, nothing, what? that's where they in live. In your garden? Yeah, yeah that's, that's outside. That's, that's what, their place. Why would anyone have a problem with that? Well, sometimes people... They can like, have a lot. Like said, people are disconnected from, <laughs> right. the, from the nature. But how do you feel about ant traps in, in the house when you have like an ant infestation? No, I don't what do that. Do do? I have ants right now in my kitchen. I have a lot of ants You just in my live kitchen. with them and you're like, hey guys. No, no, I control them. But it's a, it's a, it's a conversation that you're having with that animal and you want to be fair with that animal, you know, mm-hmm. like... So I have two trash cans, one's full of recycling, one's full of like food waste. Yeah. What I noticed when it got roasting hot in LA, you know, yeah. that heat yeah. wave that we just went through, what I noticed is that the ants are really struggling in the heat. So they're trying to seek shelter inside your oh, house. Right. And water, right? Water, like, yeah. yeah. And, and food. So they come into my house, they go into where all my food waste is and there's like tangerine peel and yeah. apple cores and bananas and they're, they're loving it. It's cool in there <laughs> and there's food in there. So I was like, okay, that's me. That's not the ants. That's me. So I take the food waste outside, put it in the the green waste bin type thing. And then for the next like week or so, I do not have food waste in my house. Every time mm. I have an oh, apple throw, right, I right. go throw it out. Yeah. If you if you stop that pathway mm-hmm. for the animal right. where then they're they like, there's no food in. in here, they won't come in. So, so. you're redirecting them. Right. Yeah. And that's that's a that's a fair communication. But the ant trap thing is like, I don't know, I feel snidey, dude. I do struggle. I will. I do. My my mother is very animal friendly of all kinds, and had always raised me to no. You take the spider outside. You know all that, and I do do that. And the ants, I I will say, I do use the ant traps because sometimes the infestation is crazy. Well, you have kids as well, right? Yeah, kids. But I do feel bad. I feel bad killing anything. Mm. Okay, and I've always been under the understanding like we have a lot of brown widows in Mm. our yard. Mm. And my daughter's always playing. So mm. people are like, well, you have to kill them. Yeah. If they're there, you have to kill them. Yeah. You disagree. Well, I do disagree only because you do not come in contact with black and brown widows that much before 11 o'clock midnight at night. So your daughter's not playing in your garden at midnight, right? Right. But so if she, you overturn something, it's like dark in there and you come across no, them. Black, widows live in very kind of cube shaped webs it's a i could probably find you them they're in very sticky garden. aren't they're they sticky uh-huh. and the, the the webbing is almost like guitar string it's like super strong so mm-hmm. in the daytime the web is there and even if you like mess about with the web the widow knows that it's a human messing about with the web a big animal doesn't think that it's like a martha or a butterfly that it's going to eat so even if you're daughter were to like run into that web the widow's not going to do anything it would mm. have to be that your daughter's like out at midnight and goes <laughs> to pick up the spider but if you if you try and I've, I've done it a lot if you try and pick up a black widow spider from their web i would say it, you're successful like 10 percent of the time because they have an escape route spiders always have an escape route in their house that's how it works so they create a web where they know where the the prey animal is going to be and they also know where they can go if shit gets real so as soon as you get involved with that web they're out of there. But again, in these Q&As that I do, someone will be like, there's a black widow, there's not a black widow, there's a spider in my bathroom. What do I do? And I write back and say, try to connect to the idea that this spider has no idea that it's sharing space with a human. How could a spider even make sense of that in its rudimentary brain that like, oh, there's Sheila and she's having a shower. I'm going to go over and bite them. They don't, <laughs> the, the, the thought pattern doesn't work like that. Spiders think, Am I warm? Am I safe? Can I eat? You how know, do you know that? Because that's how it works from a biological point of view. You know, we, so do, you, do they have a consciousness? Uh, I mean, I don't think that's been in any way proven with a spider. Spiders. What about dogs? Yeah, I would think so. Don't you think the, so? It, there's, a, there's a sliding scale or maybe, yeah. a, maybe a ladder that you climb up with that. You know, 
spiders have been around for hundreds of millions of years. The things that have developed with spiders, like venom and mm -hmm. you know their their webbing and stuff, are highly sophisticated. But they don't need a highly sophisticated brain for them to be a hugely successful animal. So, of mm -hmm. course, that part of their evolution has not really developed in the way that ours has because we're a social animal and our brain needs to be complicated in that regard. If you expose a spider to heat, they're going to run away because, you know, it's dangerous. But they don't know what that is or why they're running away. They don't go, oh, it's hot over there. Oh, they don't. It doesn't think that way. I think a dog probably would. They go, oh, dangerous, it's hot. Oh, I don't like it. And maybe they wouldn't do it again. But spiders don't. Their brain just doesn't work that way, you know. What about... We, Did you know that we were just <laughs> totally... Yeah, I know. It, happens, Sorry. it happens all the time. <laughs> I, mean, said, I, did, I did Adam Carolla's podcast the other day and we we're supposed to be talking about a bunch of stuff. And he was like, we just spoke for an hour, an hour about animals. And I'm like, well, well I'm, that's me. I'm obsessed. And if you're going to ask me questions about animals, but we can talk about whatever you guys No, want. I'm like loving as long as you're okay with it. We <laughs> well, have I just have a question because we just recently... Oh, my dog got a rat. <laughs> so she brought it and dropped it at my husband's feet and looked up at him like, look what I did, daddy, yeah, you know? And um, so then we had someone come out to be like, okay, do we have rats? And there's no rats in the house and there are some outside. Yeah. And we had one person come say, leave them. They're outside. You just leave them. Yeah. Then another person came and said, oh, well, we could put traps and then we come out monthly and... What do you do about that? No, everyone you just has leave rats. Them, right? Everyone has everyone rats. Everyone has rats. It's how it works. And okay. also, if oh, I didn't yeah. know that. I yeah. have so That's much rat in my garage, it's and it's just, like it's just is what it is. Yeah, it's nature. We live yeah. in nature. We we should be so lucky to be living that close to a natural uh, animal. You know, the line that you take with someone coming every month and clearing out the traps and stuff like that is, you know, it's the natural world. So if you kill a family of rats, a new family of rats move in. They're like, oh, free real estate. So they move in, then you kill those guys, and then a new family of rats come in. That's, in. What That's we how said. it works. It's a huge fight for real estate out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so if Just you like here. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> so if you kill a, a family of established rats, Aww. then, you know, within a few weeks, you've got more rats, or maybe you, you're then inundated with another animal. Squirrels come in, or, you know, go for rats. Just, everyone just has to relax about this stuff. Yeah, I felt bad though when she brought it over because we heard her chasing it. Yeah. And and then she had scratches on her. I mean, she got in a real fight. Right. And That's it, a wild animal. I know. It really freaked me out. I yeah. was like, this is next level. Yeah. I didn't know she had it in her. I left bird food out once, like, you know, because we in the bird feeder and I didn't know. And the bag was by the I have glass doors you can see out. And all of a sudden I heard something one night watching TV and I looked back. I'm not kidding you when I say it was like the women's march. That many rats like in a parade what? coming for the bird feed. And I was just watching them and I was like, well, I left the food out. Yeah. Feast away. And yeah. then I got rid of the food the next day. But I didn't do anything. But it was so interesting because at night you're like, oh, there's like a million rats. Oh, yeah. That's, that's how it <laughs> it's goes. It's just how it is. Oh, she can't handle it. She can't handle it. I don't know why. I don't know why I can't. I want to be able to handle it because it is life. And I don't know what that reaction is. It's actually weird. Yeah. I mean, how was your childhood with those things? How are your parents with those things? I mean, my dad was great with them. He, yeah. you know, there was no like, there's no trauma there. <laughs> yeah. Do, but did something happen? Did you, did you have a cockroach experience that really sticks in your head? Do you have a bee or wasp experience? Or? I didn't get stung until I was in my 30s for the first time. No. 
That's why I'm saying there's no like trauma. No hysterical friends that you spend a lot of time with. Leah. React. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> when I lived with Leah, let me tell she you. She reacts like a crazy lady sometimes. She does. We, we gave her alter ego a name. But she would get stung by a bee and I would have to calm her from her panic attack. Right. And I would do like, you know, baking soda paste and put it on the sting or whatever and just calm her down. But I'd have to talk her out of it because it was really her mind working her yeah. up more than the sting itself. Yeah. Which is interesting, right? Because it's just like the human condition yeah. of of thinking this is like the worst thing ever but it's, it's, a, it's created you know a, a negative pathway in people's minds and all this kind of stuff you know yeah they get stung or they hear about someone getting stung or that you know they hear like oh every so often someone can get stung by a bee and you go into anaphylactic shock and then you die and epipens and all this kind of stuff <gasps> people get hysterical so then you get stung by a bee and it's painful and you don't really know what to do it's not as painful as childbirth <laughs> no, nothing's as painful, as painful as childbirth, childbirth. <laughs> but it's not as painful as getting like a shot and people will willingly go botox their face up sure. or get lip injections or whatever that is far more painful yeah. than getting stung by a bee yet we freak it's probably the unexpected nature of this right. thing right because you know you're going to that clinic and you're going to get a shot and you're like okay i'm preparing for this right your, unexpected your botox like, could happened? be shocking <laughs> Dave's going this direction then suddenly i got stung <laughs> yeah yeah it is it is interesting but it, we can go. We can go off of animals now. I'm yeah, we could. I, I know because we could really. I could do this all day. We intend Listen, to rack can, your brain more. We can do this more. outside of the podcast. Yeah, yeah we can. <laughs> you guys need to identify more animals and stuff. No, I really I'm, do I'm need I'm you on it. speed dial. Yeah, there's so many times where I'm, I'm like, I'm what is and this? And you live in a beautiful part of LA, so I'm sure there's great opportunities to see wild animals. Someone sent me a, a picture this morning when I was driving over. They were like, "Hey, I saw a falcon. It, it took a baby oh. bird out of a nest." And I was like, "It's not a falcon. It's a goshawk." And they were like, well, my friend said it's a falcon. I was like, okay, well, you can <laughs> ask your friend to go look at this image and find out if it's a goshawk or a falcon. Um, uh, you're like, don't challenge my <laughs> knowledge. Asking, you know, yeah, <laughs> a lot of red-tailed hawks around. I'm curious, Beautiful. though, is it, it has that transferred your love of animals and the way you talk to yourself fascinates me. Like, it's okay, it's okay. Right. So... Everything in life is the stories we tell ourselves, right? Yeah. And then we experience it from that point. Has that transferred into other things that mm. you didn't think were possible or things like, has it given you a way to communicate with yourself? Yeah, probably. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of like, I didn't even know what it was for the longest time. And then someone pointed out that I've manifested a lot of stuff, you mm. know, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Let's talk about that. So then they they kind of said, well, this, you're into this and then this happened and then you're into this and then this happened and, and it seems like you can actually focus on what you want and then just stick with it and, and it shows up. And I didn't really realize that that was a manifestation thing. Every so often I'll like talk in schools or colleges to kids that are into acting and stuff and I always say, if you really want to do it, then just don't give up and then you'll do it. Like mm -hmm. most, that's the key. Most people give up, you know, it's hard or it's difficult or financially it can of course be challenging or maybe you, you don't get a huge amount of support from your friends and family. That's all challenging. And a lot of times people say, that's the reason why I gave up. Okay, that's fine. But if you still have those challenges and you do it, you're either going to, you know, do it or die trying. So right. you may as well do it. I love that. There's a great speech that Jim Carrey gives, which I which I thought was really beautiful, where he said that 
his father was like the funniest guy that he knew and super charismatic mm -hmm. and could have been a comedian, but he chose to work in some whatever, something crappy that he didn't want to do like insurance. And he said, you know, my dad kind of died unhappy. And he was like, so I realized you could either do something that you really want to do and maybe even die unhappy or do something that you don't want to do and die unhappy. So he was like, do what you want to do. And I thought that was a really beautiful thing to say. And of course, yeah. we have we have we have pressures to you know toe the line and do certain things. But um, yeah, I think you know I'm conscious of like being mindful of how I speak, and you know I meditate, and a lot of those mantras are kind of interesting. I did this really strange thing that didn't that it didn't happen in any way intentionally. So a lot of times my my mantra would be like, "I am grateful," "I am thankful." I am healthy, whatever, my, you know, my life is abundant, things like that. That's kind of been a constant kind of thing for like the last 10, 15 years or so. In the last three weeks or so, without me even thinking about it, my mantra became, I accept, I surrender. Mm. And I did not, I did not say, say, okay, I'm going to change it to this thing. I just sat and meditated and this thing was like, I accept, I surrender. And I was like, oh, what am I accepting and what am I surrendering to? But I'm, I'm here for it, you know? Yes. Um, the mystery of, of, I'm going to have another one of these things. You yeah, should. As many as you want. Oh, you are hooked. <laughs> now, are these, they're not good for you? They're good for you? Soda? Or, it, is there, it soda? There's a, there's a bit of a, you know, conflicting opinions on it. Okay. There's no sugar. There's no anything. And okay. it says it's flavored with natural whatever. Yeah. But no Naturally one really knows. Essenced. Naturally essenced. Yes. Okay. LaCroix. Right. I, I know. I think you'll be safe today. Okay. Yeah. You're okay. Yeah, today. I think you're going to get through Except it. Except surrender to the LaCroix. Yeah. yeah. There you yeah. go. And you're well, good. What about you guys? Do you guys meditate? Do you guys, okay. So do you have like a mantra or do you try and go into the void and all that kind of stuff? I've done a lot of different versions. Um, it depends on the day, it depends sure. on the week, it depends on what I'm working with. I've never done TM. I really want to. Yeah. Um, I studied. Buddhism. I mean, I've studied a lot of different forms and then most of the meditation for me today is just focusing on my breath yeah. and getting into my body and getting out of my head and just lightly labeling, like thinking and coming back to my breath and doing that. I also do guided meditations. I mean, I've probably done most except for TM. Yeah. What about you? Mm. I kind of got introduced to it by a friend who was just kind of like, just sit and try and concentrate on your breath. And if a thought shows up like a cloud, just be like, oh, there's a cloud and it passed by and then come back to your breath and then another cloud shows up. So I did that. I don't even know necessarily what that would be uh, for a few years. And then Mindful meditation. Oh, is that mindful mm -hmm. meditation? So I did that which I thought was really beautiful and noticed a huge amount of changes. And then some like, you know, incredibly powerful kind of cosmic stuff happened during that. Mm. Went to different galaxies and met different versions of myself, which was like, okay. Um, so I subscribed to that very heavily. And then, you know, <clears throat> I'm a big fan of hallucinogenics. And, yes. uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and if it, you know, when they happen, I like to go pretty pretty big and open and wide with it. And I think if you don't have a, an understanding of control of the breath, or at least being mindful of the breath, you you can fall into that panicky place. And then right. I think 
the hallucinogenic kind of switches off a lot for me when that happens. So, is it mainly like mushrooms or ayahuasca, or like, or they're different? Or have you done it yeah, all? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, pretty much everything. Um, uh, I think from a from a kind of more ease of practice, probably mushrooms is the easiest thing to get into. But I have to take a lot now for me to really? have an experience. I have to take like. 12, 14 grams of mushrooms to like get into it. So like, yeah, it's a lot. I mean, <laughs> yeah. even for me, and I'm like, I'll just, I'll, I'll keep eating them. But what I do is I pulverize them into like a mm -hmm. dust in, you know, the little coffee grinder yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. So I put the shrooms in there and then I pulverize them into dust and then I put them into little capsules. Mm -hmm. But I have to take like 30 of those capsules <gasps> for to get going. I know. 30? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, it's not, it's not, I'm not saying it to brag. In fact, it's kind of irksome because now, you know, my, whatever, I'll be with friends and they're like, oh, okay, whatever, I'll take six, I'll take eight, I'll take 12. And, and I'll, be, I'll be like, okay, I'm just going to go over here for a little bit because I feel kind of self-conscious about it. Being because, like, I need 30? <laughs> yeah, it's just been a lot. Are you um, immune to it at this point? Or I think is I've built up a tolerance over the years. Have um, you ever had um, a bad trip? Sure, I've had a lot of bad trips. Me yeah. too. Yeah. I like them. <laughs> you I like just said trip. it like excitedly. <laughs> I, li I like them. I like them. Bad I mean, trips? You I like? don't like them in, in the moment. Obviously, it's a real struggle. But I don't know about you, but I, I think I probably find my biggest growth from the bad ones, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. from the ones where I'm really having a hard time and emotional and co everything's collapsing and, and dissolving into a, a real nothingness that is terrifying <clears throat> that for me is the next i can fly off that for the next few months you know the good ones are fine but yeah you know what i you know my real kind of i struggle with like mentors and stuff like that but my real kind of like mentor in that world is a guy down in peru he's from south carolina but he runs a ayahuasca center mm -hmm. in peru and he had said he he thinks that the real magic happens when you leave. Yeah, when when it gets big and you're not you anymore, and oh. you know, yeah, Oof, which that I, makes I, me I nervous. Do you want to do it? So <clears throat> it's great. So I'm sober. So I've struggled with like, will I still be sober if I were to do hallucinogenics? But I oh, feel right. like, they're great for sobriety. Exactly. Though, right? That's what I feel. So Rachel, can we go to Peru and? Yeah. I'll send See, you guys the link and we can chat about I'm it. I'm not and even kidding. He's an I, extraordinary guy and his center is incredible. Um, I'm sure it's, if you're going to do it, it sounds like that's the way you definitely want to do it. And is it like a guided trip? Like, you know how they have like things like that? I mean, in some way it's guided. There's, there's shaman there. There's yeah. facilitators there. You know, it's kind of... Does everybody throw up? Not everyone, but I would, I would say the overwhelming uh, amount of people there will purge, yeah. You know, this guy's great. The Shipibo kind of community in Peru is is uh, the people that have the closest relationship with ayahuasca. So he has a kind of uh, a, a nice group of Shipibo kind of people there, husband and wife team sometimes, sometimes their children, you know, aunties and uncles and stuff. So you have the influence of <laughs> Shipibo with a little, little bit of Western help, like buckets, if you're <laughs> puking. And, um, you know, they'll the Shipibo shaman will like, sing songs which are like the most beautiful thing you've ever heard in your life and they'll come and sing songs directly to you like into you and for mm. you and all this kind of crazy cosmic stuff and then he wants you to kind of be out on your own if there's like a couple that's gone down there together or let's say that you you two as as mm -hmm. besties go down there together they will be pretty keen to separate you guys mm -hmm. 
you're on one side of the room, you're on another side of the room. Because what happens, and I've I've had this experience because I went down there with an ex, is because you know each other so well and you're so close to each other physically, sometimes stuff can jump. So yeah. I remember being like, oh, wow. oh, why am I having this memory? This I don't remember this. And I was like, oh, this is not her oh, memory. My God. This is her oh, memory. Wow. I'm like in, in her trip right now, in her experience. And they were like, yeah, you don't want to do that. Wow. You, you want to be separate. Holy so, shit. you know, it's medicine, right? It's like, uh, you know, people have struggled with that with me. Like, oh, but do you puke? And what about the mosquitoes? And what about animals in the jungle? And it doesn't taste good. And, and I'm like, well, yeah, but it's medicine. It's not supposed to taste good. It's not supposed to be a great experience. You, yeah. you get stuff out of it. But, you know, grow up and take your medicine. Put your big boy pants on. Oh, just the thought of it scares me. See, I'm the one. It should be scary, Rach. See, okay. and I feel calm. Yes. So, so interesting. Like, I'm not, I got bees. I got I love it. Take, I, I got you guys do a great juxtaposition. That's why you guys do a great podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel should great. be scary, Rach. Yeah. You know, I've challenged people. My brother's never going to listen to this. He doesn't listen to anything like that. You know, I challenge him too. Right. So, yeah. So, so, my brother was like, you know, I've said, you should do it, Matt. It would be an amazing experience. It's an amazing experience for everyone. And he's like, well, that's not really my thing. And he's like, I don't want you to think that I'm not into it because I'm scared. I'm not scared of it. I'm not scared. And I was like, look. It's a terrifying experience, you know? And every time you do it, you're like a newborn baby in the arms of a giant that mm. can just completely eviscerate you. You should be scared. So I called him out on that bullshit that, you know, it's not because I'm not scared. I was like, all right, fine. But, you know, why should fear stop you from Did doing you do stuff? it? No. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but like for me, that's the kind of fear that I welcome. Right. Where I'm like, okay, that I can do. Yeah, you like to be afraid and to challenge yourself. It, yeah, but when I get too comfortable, I'm like, I need to face something. Like yeah. I need to push my, like I, that's more comfortable. What do you keep saying to me lately about doing something and then something meeting you? Spirit meets you at your point of action. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But how is that different in terms of the way that you come up against animals that scare you? How yeah. should that be different? Why is that different? That's what I I I, I don't want to be bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one does. You know I what I mean? Be, like be I either. think that I'm a little bit more scared of physical pain than I am psychological pain. Oh, okay. Because I'm more comfortable. You're with like I've had so much I've psychological, had so pain. much psychological pain You're that I'm like, oh, I know. Here's here's what it is. I know there's a gift attached to it. Mm -hmm. So I know whatever I go face, if I go do ayahuasca, and I know it may be frightening and painful and purging. I know intuitively there's something to gain. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that could be from a snake. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that there is anything to gain from a bite from a snake. I don't mm -hmm. think anyone goes out there to be like, oh, great, good, I'm going to get bit by a snake. But the experience, the profound spiritual experience of being around something that can hurt you, that doesn't, based on how you show up, mm. is extremely There you powerful. go. There we go. There you go. You're right. You're right. You hit it on the head. So, like, just lean into that. If you're big in that place, right. of course you can be big in the other. Right. I and, mean, and vice versa to you. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I if think I'm staying. No, I think Rachel's going to do it. She get, is. Yeah. We're going. Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> You're going with us. Hey, I'm into it. I'm into it. I'm into yeah. It. But, but so the sobriety thing, because uh -huh. I know our friend Leah is also sober. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, I've said to her recently, I was like, so sober, so nothing. She's like, no, no, nothing. And I said, so you wouldn't 
explore like the value of hallucinogenics to keep you sober. And she's yeah. like, no, I don't think so. So I, I think if- that might've changed for her recently. Oh, okay. Cool. Really? We've, yeah. We've talked about it. And I told her, cause my husband and I are both sober and congrats. Thanks. Yeah. It's a huge, great, wonderful gift in our life, mm-hmm. but we both are very drawn to hallucinogens. Yeah. And we've talked about, you know, I don't want to do it to go to a concert no. or I want to do it in the kind of environment you're talking about with the kind of experiences you're talking about. And Leah said, okay, we can do that. Yeah. I was like, well, it's <laughs> our lives. We can do whatever yeah, we absolutely. want. Right. I'm a big fan of How is intention. it looked at though from it's, a it, sober There's people community. that do it for sobriety. It yeah. supposedly helps greatly with yeah. addiction. I would, there's yeah. definitely old schoolers that frown upon it. But here's the thing. Like I've also been, you know, on and off on head meds right. for years. So it's like, how is that okay? And that's it's not... It's definitely not okay. I, I think it's a very deeply personal thing. I think mm-hmm. people frown upon it and people also understand. Bill W., the guy who started the program, you know, in the book, it talks about hallucinogens. Mm-hmm. Like he did hallucinogens yeah. back then yeah. to, you know... Well, recently, do you guys know Paul Stamets? Paul Stamets is probably the foremost kind of pharmacologist in terms of like fungi and hallucinogenics yes. fungi. Big bearded guy. He looks like a grandfather, all that kind of stuff. He's a great guy to follow on Instagram. He released a few papers that had come out of several universities showing the correlation between sobriety and the using uh, the using of hallucinogenics. So it's mm. real. It's super real. Yeah. And people are doing a lot of like ketamine treatments yeah. and all that you kind of that stuff here, and right? DMT. Yeah. Yeah. Like the toad, I love you that guys know shit. about the toad, Boothel yeah, Alfaris. But- That's fucking heavy. Oh, Have you like done doing it? the yeah. poisonous frog, the frog venom medicine thing. <laughs> so there's two different yeah. types. I'm going to get really geeky now. Please. <laughs> so you've got a frog, which is called Phylomedusa bicolor. That's the monkey tree frog. That's a very physical experience. You scratch a couple of little areas on your body. You put the venom on. You puke up for like 20 minutes. Then they scratch it off and it's done. It's not a, it's not a deeply spiritual, transportive experience. It's very physical. Mm. So I've done that a few times and you puke up crazy fluorescent yellow stuff. <gasps> and I was like, wait, that didn't come from my stomach. I didn't drink crazy fluorescent stuff. And the shaman's like, no. You're purging your gallbladder, you're purging your liver and your kidneys Whoa. and stuff, which is really difficult to actually do. Wow. But it was like yellow, like those wet ones, uh, wow. like that wrap. I was like, where is that coming from? <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Interesting. But for me, it doesn't really move the needle a, a huge amount. And then you've got the toad, which is the Sonoran Desert Toad, which is called Bufo alvaris. That's arguably the most venomous uh, well, poisonous, not venomous, poisonous animal on the planet. Whoa. And, uh, Where are they found? Um, <laughs> uh, Sonora. So what is that, Arizona? Mm. Oh, shit. Yeah, Arizona. You can just, you can see them here in certain deserts and stuff. So what you do is you, you slightly annoy all amphibians are mildly poisonous. It's just, it goes up in different uh, places. So like a common frog. If you, you know, annoy it enough, it'll start to secrete this kind of like milky fluid. And you'll notice if you hang on to like a common frog, for hours, for like four or five hours, your hands will start to get kind of itchy, you know? And you're like, mm-hmm. what is that? That's that's a very mm-hmm. mild toxin. But it's okay for my daughter to catch frogs. Totally. Okay. You, you, would, you would honestly have <laughs> to be holding on to it for like eight hours for okay. it to have the slightest reaction. And it would just be like itchy, like pollen on your, right. in your eyes or something like that. Bufa alvaris, which is on the other side of the, um, of the coin, is 
highly poisonous. So if you hang on to it, it secretes this milky substance. You put that on like a piece of glass, let it dry in the sun, kind of, you know, chip it off, smoke that. And within like probably 20 seconds or so, you just completely fly off to a different galaxy. What? Heck yeah. Yeah. Holy oh shit. God. And you're there for like 15 minutes. Do you meet your minutes. soul? Yeah. Like, are yes. you your soul? What do you, like, what It's a happens? lot. It's like, it's a yeah. lot of, you know, different things for different people. Ayahuasca for me has become something I, I do not want to like disrespect the the vine to say that I can navigate through it, but it's certainly easier for you to begin to navigate through that world, you know. Right. The the toad is is just extremely overwhelmingly strong. It's probably ten times more powerful than ayahuasca in terms of its strength. So you just you just come apart, you know, you just mm. completely come apart. See, I hear that, though, and you're like, 15 minutes. I'm like, that I could do. It's amazing. Because, like, you know it's only 15. Like, so if you mentally prepare, like, you're not on this journey all night long. No, you know, no. like, you have 15 it's minutes. 15 like that. Minutes. You come out, you have a little <laughs> chat with the with the facilitator, and you drive home. Half an hour later, you're That's driving home. so And you're just like, zip-dee-dee-da, you know? Even with, even with Can ayahuasca. Can you die from it? Oh. Say again? Can you die from it? No documented uh, evidence oh. of anyone dying from it or ayahuasca. I mean, ayahuasca's wow. had two high-profile cases of death. But even though they're associated with ayahuasca, it's not the medicine itself. Some guy clearly struggling with some mental health stuff yeah. took a knife into a ceremony and was told by, he thought, told by ayahuasca to kill someone. He pulled a knife on this guy, tried to kill him. The guy killed the guy with mental health issues. <laughs> so that's kind of a big one. Another guy walked off into the forest, uh, into the jungle, after drinking ayahuasca with a group and like, Two days later, he was found dead of, you know, dehydration and exposure. But in oh, terms of, like, buddy. drinking yeah. too much of the medicine, no, you'll just puke it out or wow. poop it out. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have kids. You'll find me poop. Oh, are you oh, kidding? please. Poop all day long. Oh, my God. That's so crazy. It's Ooh. so fascinating, though, isn't it? I love it. I yeah. mean, it becomes just the most fascinating. It's probably the most fascinating thing in my life, the whole other galaxies and other world things in in terms of meditation and hallucinations uh, hallucinogenics because you're just like well so who who is driving this spaceship mm, you know like right. if if i if i put myself if i drink a vine that knows absolutely everything about my life what's happened where i'm going what happens after i die all that kind of stuff then there's no level of control with what I'm doing. Like it's just, yeah, it's bizarre. I, I'll tell you my, I'll tell you like the most, the craziest thing that happened during Aya for me was we were well. I mean, fuck, there's so many, but this is just this is one that stands out. I don't have kids, you know. Like I'm obviously single and a big fan of ladies, but I, <laughs> I've been in and out of relationships and stuff. But I don't have any kids and. And I love kids and I love hanging out with young people. I have a you know, really beautiful little nephew that I love spending time with. And um, I was chatting one night, having like a Q&A whatever session with Ayahuasca. And, and she was like, well, at some point, everything will just kind of lock in. It'll be like a, a series of cogs that will, that will lock in and, and things will start to make sense. I don't really want to tell you about that now because, you know, it, just, it doesn't really make sense to tell you about that now. And I was being a little kind of bullshit about it. Like, oh, really? Well, I love my life and I love my house and I love what I do and my freedoms and all this kind of stuff. And she dropped my daughter into my lap. <gasps> 
like a baby. Chills <sighs> all over my yeah, body. Yeah. She just went, <laughs> and I like look down and there's like a little baby, like, you know, month old baby in like little swaddling clothes. And I was like, oh, oh what's that? She's like, that's your daughter. And I was like, okay. And I'm like holding on to my daughter and then something else happens. And then suddenly I see my daughter trying to like get onto like one of those tiny little trikes that kids uh-huh. have. And as she's like trying to get her leg like over the over the trike, it like catches on the tricycle and she like kind of eats shit, but doesn't really <laughs> like care about it and like looks over at me kind of like, nah, whatever, I just fell over, but it's not a big deal. And I realized that's happening in my future. I'm going to at some point <laughs> watch that and be like, oh, she told me about this years ago, you know? And I was like, well, then what is life if this is... If like, this already exists. The whole time linear thing. Oh, jeez. Like, oh, it's crazy. I, yeah. have two, I have a friend who... It was so funny because she's very into ayahuasca and her husband and they host ceremonies and all of this. And we both got pregnant at the same time. And she goes, what do you think you're having? And I said, oh, I already know what I'm having, a boy. I said, what are you having? She said, well, we're not going to have the doctor tell us. Ayahuasca already told me it's a boy. And it was when she had the baby. And then I guess ayahuasca told her again that she'd be having a second child and same exact thing happened. Mm -hmm. And I remember one time I was on acid this was crazy. So we were we took acid the craziest trip of my life. Mm-hmm. We drove through Taco Bell. <laughs> As and, one does. Yeah. On I mean, it's so stupid. Yeah. And the food was like breathing. Mm-hmm. It was all breathing. So we Ooh! decided let's just let's just rub it on us. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so instead of eating it, we rubbed it all over us. Yeah. Then we were like covered with all this Taco Bell stuff. So all of a sudden, I got this. Wait, feel- like in your living room, in no, your no, shower? No, no, in the car. In the car. The person driving wasn't on us at all, okay. obviously. But, but she's okay with you rubbing Taco Bell all over. All over. <laughs> all over, right? Wow. Probably and all of this- no onions, extra red sauce. Yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden, I got this feeling like I need to be in nature. Mm. So I started freaking out. I was like, you need to let me out of the car. I get out of the car and I go sit in the bushes. Okay. <laughs> I'm sitting in the bushes. Covered in Taco Bell. In, co- in Taco Bell. But I felt. I'm better. Yeah. I'm great. Mm. Leave me here. Mm. And they kept saying, we can't leave you here. I started crying hysterically. And I said, please leave me here. Where, 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 what On area the side of, of the street <clears throat> in North Hollywood. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Two, three months later, that trip lasted. That was a whole thing. Whatever. Two, three months later, my mom bought a house. I call my friend Jenna. I say, come over and see my mom's new house. She shows up. Tears streaming down her face. And I'm like, what? She's like, Olivia, those are the fucking bushes. And I look and I'm like, oh my God, my mom bought the house of the bushes I was in crying, saying, leave me here. I feel safe here. Ended up being my house. Yeah, that's interesting. Such a crazy story. And have you noticed that when those things happen, the more they happen, the more they continue to happen, right? They start to stack on top of each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's all like some crazy intuitive psychic connection to... Well, they say it opens up part of your brain that we don't have access to, right? Yeah, the whole pineal Yeah. So is that... Have you experienced that? Like, do you get more psychic hits now? Yeah, although... Yeah. I have my own kind of journey with that because one of my exes is like um, 
Reiki practitioner and mm. spiritual healer and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, like that can be a little that can be a little triggering for me. I mean, I think we were, I think we all have the ability to like tune into stuff and it's hard to equate the realness of those things going on, but that doesn't necessarily matter if it's happening all the time to you and for you personally it's true, then it's true, you know. Mm-hmm. What about it is triggering? Well, like, no, nah, it's not that triggering. It's just like, you know, she's an ex. So it's like <laughs> every time we walk past her, you know, every time we walk past the shop that was selling crystals, she'd be like, I have to go in here. I have to buy this crystal. I'm like, oh, you have to buy this crystal. You've got like <laughs> 400 in my house. And she's like, this is the one that is going to just turn it all around. I'm like, well, okay, let's go buy it then. So then we buy it and she'd be stoked on it and meditating and all this kind of stuff. It was a beautiful thing. And then you know, a few weeks later, I'd be like, so what happened with that crystal? She's like, it's not the one, it's not, I need, I need it. I need a blue one or a green one or a yellow one or all this kind of stuff, you know. So there's a little bit of that. Um, they're not cheap, the crystals. No, they're not. They're not cheap. It's a whole, I feel like, cult of crystals. Yeah. <laughs> I do, I do also, like, crystals. you know, the, 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 I mean, England has a, a huge amount of hang-ups and, uh, you know, uh, quite a lot of that is the fact that they are very quick to judge anything woo-woo and hippy-dippy mm-hmm. and spiritual and all that kind of stuff. So I think there's a little bit of that. In you? Well, it's just, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm, I'm, I've done a lot of work on that over the years, but it's just it's just part of the city that I come from. It's part of the, mm-hmm. it's part of, you know, my dad was a, biology teacher my brother is a biology teacher my mother was a nurse there's a lot of science in my family so the idea is if you cannot corroborate it with graphs and figures Mm. and data it doesn't exist you know my brother was very kind of judgmental and and poo-pooing about my whole ayahuasca experience and he was like there's no evidence and I was like there's a ton of evidence you know and he's like well I'm not talking about anecdotal evidence and i said no i'm talking about google scholar i'm talking about people studying these things i'm talking about you know ethnobotanists and 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 um scientists studying the vine itself and i would send my brother links look here is a phd professor here's this nah 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 and i'm like well if i'm showing you the thing that you're asking for and you're saying no that's not on me anymore that's that's your bullshit do you know what i mean like you can lead a horse to water that's right whole departments on this top schools and i mean there's a lot of evidence now it's just what you don't want to know i mean even if you took a political point of view you you know you can point out things in the political landscape where you can say to this person no that didn't happen it happened like this but because they support this political figure they're like well i disagree and you're like but you're disagreeing with empirical evidence and they're like well yeah i disagree I'm like okay well then yeah what are just, we talking about right you know? there's just certain people that you just can't get through to yeah <laughs> even with all the proof in the world yeah 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 there, there was a, when, when I'm not hugely political, whatever, like I have my own views, but I, I don't, I don't feel like I'm like massively political. But when Biden got in, there was a lady that like tr- was trolling me on Instagram on my direct messages, just being like, you know, he drinks children's blood and oh, he, oh he'll, he'll never get into office and he'll never be president and Trump will be back in the office in, in whatever amount of time. And I, you know, usually I ignore that bullshit, but with this girl, I mean, she probably wrote to me like 30 times. And I really didn't do anything. I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> rah, rah, pro, pro Biden. But, you know, I was like, oh, great. He got in, whatever. So I wrote to her and I said, that's fine that you have y- your opinions. I said, if I'm wrong 
and Trump gets back in and Biden is never president, I'll follow you on Instagram. If you're wrong, you can just apologize because she follows me. Mm -hmm. So she couldn't like, you know, she's like, great. If, uh, if that happens, of course I'll apologize. So Biden gets in, I wait three, four months. I sent her a message on, on a direct message, very polite. Hey, just letting you know, you, you said that you would apologize. If, if <laughs> I love that you followed up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just checking, kept it very courteous. Yeah. And she's like, ha ha, no, fuck you. I'm never going to do that type thing. And I was like, all right, well, in that case, I'm going to block you from my account because we reached an agreement. You agreed publicly that mm -hmm. you would do it. And now you're reneging on it. So like, I love, I can't tell you how much I love that just some like random troll on Instagram. <laughs> you followed up with, you're I, like, I nope. Can, I can be very pedantic sometimes if I, if I get into something, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm a little <laughs> obsessive, you know, and I'm okay with the fact that I'm obsessive. Mm. Um, I just think you have to just choose your battles. You know, it's, it's good to be obsessed by positive things that, that help you grow. You know. It sounds like you've found a lot of those in your life. And like that, I feel like is the answer for most drug addicts and alcoholics. It's like if we could just focus our obsession on other things that are, like you said, positive. Yeah. Were you always like that? Um, I was very easily, um, I don't want to use the word bored because um, I don't know if that's necessarily what was going on in my childhood, but I, I think, I, I think it, more positive way of putting a spin on that is that I have always needed stimulus at a relatively high level. Yeah. So <laughs> in in New Zealand, when we were making rings, very often Billy Boyd and I would be in the same scenes and we were besties. So they would say to us, hey, you guys can either have a hotel room separately or if you want, we found this house and you guys can just live in this house for the six weeks that we're on location. What do you think about that? Very often Billy and I would, would choose to live in a house together. I didn't even think it was weird, but Billy pointed out that is weird and it's okay. But just so you know, that's not normal. <laughs> he would go off and he'd be working and I'd maybe be off for the morning and be working in the afternoon. He'd come back and I would have like music on in one room and then the TV on in another room and I'd be painting in another room and then I'd be doing something in another room. And he's like, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, I'm just jumping in and out and dipping into here. And, <laughs> and he's like, that's not what I do. I tend to focus on one thing. And so I think there's like strengths and weaknesses to to both those things i mean i you know i have my own i have my own stuff you know it's not i um I, I struggle with you know i've definitely had some mental health stuff come up during covid you mm -hmm. know live on my own have lived on my own since i was 18 with little interspersed moments of living with the girls that i'm with but i think you can become a little self-indulgent when you live on your own mm. I'm sure you guys know having kids puts you in a place of like, well, I, I can't. No, yeah, I, I yeah. don't have an opportunity nope. to sit around mulling because I got this little human that I right. take care of. It's incredibly helpful for that. So I think there's been a little bit of that in my life, but I do have skill sets and, and obsessions with things that I know are good for me, like animals, like gardening, like Lego, like... Lego. Like, yeah, I love Lego. Oh, I'm like, did you just say Lego? Yeah, Lego like got that for my birthday. Oh, that's the Golden good. Girls. Oh, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> that's brilliant. Um, 
Do you tackle those like enormous Lego contraptions? Yeah, yeah, I did um, Manchester United's uh, stadium during COVID and Yoda and Titanic. (gasps) The um, Titanic one. I've seen that. It's like 10,000 pieces. I feel like you would be my son's favorite person. (laughs) He already quotes you on Alligator Lizard. (laughs) um, Animals and Legos. Like what's that show he watches where the guy gets bit? Oh, right, Coyote, YouTube. Right, right, right. Coyote Peterson and yeah. Bear Grylls and all that yeah. stuff. How do you feel Legos. about those guys? I'm not crazy on the guy getting bit and Me stung neither. and stuff because when you're looking at that, the animal is stressed, you know. Right. They're, they're, putting, they're putting the animal under a certain amount of stress to sting. To provoke it, yeah. yeah. So I understand that the human is stressed and I understand that the human is trying to tell a story. What what we've done and what we're, what we're giving a kind of... Um, nod of approval to with that is it's okay for this animal to feel fear and stress and pain because this animal is also feeling fear and stress and pain, mm-hmm. putting the human above the wasp or the snake or the, you know, whatever. I'm like, we're all the same. Pain to this animal is the same as it would be to us, you know. So right. why is it okay that you're, you know, I watched it once he was getting stung by a tarantula hawk, a type of wasp. And to make the wasp do it, he was applying a certain amount of pressure on the wasp's body so that it would sting. I'm like, well, how would you feel if a giant's like, bite me? You'd be like, why? That's really painful. Why are you doing that? So not crazy on that. Bear Grylls seems a little cooler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's trying to push people into their, like getting them out of their comfort zone. Lots of positive affirmation about fear. he, He seems a little cooler. When he was kind of first coming up, do you remember Survivor Man? Sure, I remember Survivor Man. So I Les was more Stroud. Yes, I was more of a fan of his yeah. at the time yeah. than Bear because I felt like Survivor. He was actually doing things on his own. He didn't have a camera crew. Like yeah. he was really doing it all. He was. So I kind of gave the credit to him a little bit more. Yeah. Obviously, Bear has, you know, grown and whatever. Yeah. He does like the. Did you ever do the his show? Does no, he, I didn't. He take people with. I him? was asked. You mean Bears? Or yeah, Les? Bear. Bear. I've been asked by both. I haven't done either. I would have done Les's probably more readily than than Bears because Les is from Toronto and the production company that I made Wild Things with, The Nature Show, is also out of Toronto. So they uh, know okay. Les really well. I would have done it. Unfortunately, in the business that we're in, and you probably know this more than anyone else, Rach, is like if you look at Les Stroud and Bear Grylls, Les Stroud's not quite as good looking as Bear Grylls. So Bear's have a little more like, good Aww, a physique. Poor That's so a little sad. balding and, you know, and he's not the hot young thing and Bear Grylls has got a lovely smile and he's kind of yeah, handsome. Yeah, you're like, and, is he going to have a romantic connection with one of these actresses he takes on right, the journey? <laughs> right. The whole being hot thing. I mean, you know, it's a strange thing because like, you know, I don't know. If you're like, if you're the best carpenter in the world, then there's a pretty strong chance that you're probably going to be working successfully and doing good work. And, you know, sometimes it's about the people that you know and all that kind of stuff. But you're, if you are a highly, highly skilled carpenter, then you're probably going to be successful. In our business, it's a little bit of that. But really, it's like, are you catching fire? Are mm-hmm. you hot? You know, I'm sure Harry Styles is a fine actor he seems i really like his music you know he's kind of cool happy clappy music to listen to but um he's getting opportunities in the acting world Mm -hmm. that any actor his age would absolutely die to do right and they might have studied at college and there's a strong chance that they are much more capable of doing something in that role than harry styles and i don't begrudge him of course you take those jobs that's how it works but Apartment is just like, 
really? It's it's a, a very unfair business in that it's the regard. artist in you being like, hey. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. I get that. Do you find that true for you? Do you think it's warped your brain in that direction? Well, I, I would I would definitely be more successful if I was six foot two. Is that something you think about? Like you're, no, you're, but no, you're but so successful. You're very successful. Yeah, but I'm not as successful as I should be or could <laughs> be. You know, I mean, uh, what makes you say that? Well, it's just true. It's just objectively true. I mean, I would rather work 300 days of the year, have a couple of weeks off for Christmas, maybe have a summer holiday off, and work for the remaining 300 days of the year. I don't work 300 days of the year. On a good year, I probably work 120 days of the year. On a good year. And I'm not being, I didn't read any of those Harry Styles scripts. I don't read Harry Styles right, scripts. Right, 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 right. I don't read, I don't read Justin Timberlake scripts. He's my age and he's a singer, you know, like I wouldn't, I would, I, I certainly wouldn't be uh, cocky enough to be like, you know what, let me go try some Justin Timberlake stuff. I'm going to put on a tuxedo and do some singing and dancing and see how I do in that. I'm not a singer. That's his thing. Can we see you try? <laughs> <laughs> but the you have, I mean, obviously Elvis did it back in the day, and all these all these sure. singers have done sure. it back in the day. But it's it is ballsy to be like, well, I'm a successful singer. I'm gonna just flow into this other industry and it's all about popularity, success, whatever. Like I remember losing out roles because somebody had a huge, you know, box office weekend, mm-hmm. you know, before and mm-hmm. they got the role, even though maybe I did a better job with the role in the room, whatever yeah. it is. But it's all, you know, calculated and it is a bit unfair. And Yeah, it's well, a little it's completely cynical. unfair. Well, yeah, it's yeah. completely unfair. <laughs> but it is how it works. And it's like something, you have to have such a strong mind, you know, control of your mind <laughs> yeah. to not go there. Because a lot of it isn't personal. Some of it yeah. is. Some of it is. Sure. But a lot of it isn't. Yeah. You know? It's the nature of the business, like you said. I mean, I remember back in the day, it was a long time ago now, I'm sure you can tell me, but you did that Magnum commercial, remember? Yeah. In the truck? Yep. And at that point, you were kind of the hot girl in Hollywood, you know? But it's true. I, mean, <laughs> I don't I even know if that's I, I still, necessarily true, but... I, I knew Leah even back then, and I remember us, you know, in some way talking about that in passing. I was like, oh, whatever. I can't remember, but I must have been like, obviously not that ice cream commercial with that girl. Oh man, that's such an amazing. And she's like, that's my friend. I was like, oh, really? You know that girl? She's like, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Cause she's kind of having this like moment. She's, and I she's love like, that yeah. the Magnum commercial is yeah. my moment. Yeah. Well, it was just, a really big campaign. Bring that up a it's lot. Interesting. Though. It was a fun commercial and it had a good director and that we, we shot it in Thailand. It was a great experience, like I all shot around. It in Thailand. Yeah, they were like, we couldn't block off PCH. So here's a strip of road in Thailand wow. <laughs> that can act as it. Yeah. It was an amazing experience. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, let me do the stunts. Let me do the thing. It was, right. it was, you know, it was really a, a fun thing. But it's funny that you bring that up because I never even think about well, oh, sure. that. For, for you, I'm sure it's different <laughs> moments. But like, the other thing is like, you know, of course we know that like in this business, you can't maintain that run for an infinite amount of time. No. I mean, you know, Tom Cruise is doing a pretty good job with it. I mean... But he's reinvented himself yeah. and he's had moments where people are like, no, I'm out with Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. But like, and even then think he about, does Maverick. <laughs> and then he does Maverick and everyone's like, oh my God. But like, you know, like whatever, Jack Nicholson, you know, or yeah. Robert Redford or Diane Keaton or Glenn Close. You ask the average 15, 16 year old who is obsessed with acting on the street, 
Who's Jack Nicholson? It'd be like, well, Jack Nicholson. Right. Did you see One Flow of the Cuckoo's Nest? No. Right. You know, it, 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 it phases know. out. But I think also think kids are, a lot of kids, not all, are chasing fame, not yes. acting necessarily. You know, with all the social media and everything else that exists now, it's yeah. more like, I want to have 20 million followers or yeah. I want to. Which I actually think, and and tell me if you see where I'm going here, that aspect is almost better for young actors because you can get fame in so many other ways now that go ahead, go be famous, get your Instagram followings, do your social medias, and it's probably less competition for the actual actors, no? Uh, And the young ones, the young ones just getting into it, I mean. Yeah, maybe. I mean, like, I think there are, like... Obviously, you know, there's like, at the moment at least, there's like Leo and then there's everyone else. If you're talking about main male actors, right. not mm-hmm. main actors, male actors, there's Leo. And then there's, you know, underneath him even, there's like Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt and all these kind of people. And like Leo's Instagram is clearly not him. And he right. has, he. I don't think he's like spoken out about it, but it's clear that it's like, what represents him. He's into conservation. He's into like, hey, here's my movie coming out. But it's he's not sat at home doing his no, thing. No. And I think he wants to make that clear of like, you know. This is just a, a tool that comes along right, with it. I'm a, and... I'm a legit movie star and we don't do that. Tom Cruise doesn't do that. His staff does that for him. Does Tom Cruise have an Instagram? He does. Tom Cruise has a ridiculous Instagram. Does Brad Pitt have an Instagram? Don't no, think Brad Pitt does. I don't think he does. Well, he like, has just, a have skincare looked. line now, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Chris Hemsworth does and all these kind of people. Tom Cruise's recent post was he was strapped to the <laughs> outside of a plane. <laughs> of course he was, as one like, does. <laughs> amazing. And there's like a relatively close-up kind of medium-range shot of him. And he goes, see you at the movies. And then the plane just goes, and just falls out the sky. And you're like, well, yeah, Well, that's movie star. That's He's Tom brand, Cruise. That's, you know? yeah. So, yeah, the, the, the social media thing, the access thing, I don't know. I mean, like, Cristiano Ronaldo, this this uh, mm-hmm. iconic football Soccer. player. Sorry, football. Yeah, you, yep. yeah. Football, yeah, where you're so from. Good, so good. <laughs> Used to play for Manchester United, so obviously I'm very inclined to yes, him. Yes, of course. He, he has the most amount of followers on on social media. Is that right? Yeah. I know he's in very the popular. world. In the world, more over than, the Kardashians. Well, you know, soccer, aka football, is the most like diehard fan sport yeah. in the world. It's called the world's game. Oh. The yeah, World Cup, okay. if you will. The, the World Cup. Yeah. More than the Kardashians. More than the Kardashians, yeah. He has more social media followers. And he has like 10,000 kids. <laughs> yeah, he does have quite a few kids. But what, what I like about that, if, if you simmer that down to its essence, is there are things about Ronaldo that we know that, that maybe you could be like, oh, I'm not crazy about the fact that he has 100 cars or that he's kind of a bit Euro poppy or his hair's a bit weird or his his clothing is a bit kind of he's garish cute. or whatever. He's good looking. Yeah, he's I, definitely, yeah, yeah. That, that you, I know, you know who he is. I know who he is. <laughs> yeah. But at its base level, the reason why he has that power on social media is he's an exceptionally talented athlete. Right. He's really, really good. It's for his craft. Yeah. Like it's for he's his He's great yeah. at that. And that's it. That's that's his that's how he leads with his front foot. The Kardashians thing I just don't understand because you're like, well, really like, what are you good at? Like, you, you're kind of hot, but that's a lot of plastic and got notorious based on slightly nefarious behavior. And then you've, you, I mean, I, I respect the fact that they turn it into a business. I have Yeah, a complete brand and business, yeah. But if you take those, if it's, is it, is, would you say that Kim has more followers than the rest of her family or is it the younger one? 
I don't know if it's Kim or Kylie. I'm not sure. I'd have to look. I'm not sure. Maybe Kim or Kylie. I'm going to look. But if you put the three of those guys up next to each other, Ronaldo, uh, Kim Kardashian, and and um, uh, Kylie, mm-hmm. I think probably just just from a talent point of view, there's no question. Kim has that 330 like, million. Okay. okay. 330 million. That's a lot. Kylie. That's a lot. That's a, That's a lot, lot of people. Kylie. Yeah, their, their posts. They're... Kylie has 369 million. Okay, so more. Oh, so she's got more. So she has more. Yeah. And I How think many they're does the top Ronaldo two. Have? Supposedly he makes like 800,000 a post. So that's crazy because we noticed when we went to Disneyland, it was like 600 million people occupancy. Like that's how many people have been through Disneyland. So that's almost half the amount of people that have been to Disneyland in the entire creation of Disney. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, it's a lot. Why am I spelling his name wrong? Cristiano, C-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-O. Yeah, there's another analysis. How do you feel doing your social media? I do. I kind of do like a... 482 million. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a um, lot. I do like a slightly adapted version of me mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. my social media account. It is me. And, yeah. and there are things on there that do represent me. But I wouldn't expose people to all of the elements of me. I never post anything about my nephew. I don't post anything about my family. Nothing about girlfriends. Uh, nothing about trips with friends or anything like that. So mm. my my Instagram is like jobs, poetry, uh, things that I've seen that I think are beautiful. There's very rarely a, a selfie of me. It's never like, oh, look at me today, I look great. Um, so I'm okay with it. I use it as a as a tool. I think, you know, I've had people that work for me sit me down saying, you could get way more people on Instagram if you did this, this, and this, but it's just not really... Me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I struggle with that too. Yeah. Yeah. It's just hard. a bit tacky. You know, my trainer every so often is like, why don't you fucking whatever, take your shirt off and post it up on Instagram? I'm like, oh, my family are going to see that. <laughs> is it Farhood? Farhood every so often. Yeah. So yeah. during COVID, I was training with, with Farhoodie um, pre COVID. But then during COVID, when everything was shut and all the gyms yeah. were shut and stuff, and obviously Ryan's under his own level of pressure because of that. I said, you know, I would really like to continue training. And Ryan said, that's great. Ryan's one of my oldest friends in LA. And he said, but the thing is, if I drive to your house, it's 50 minutes. And then we train for an hour and then it's 50 minutes home. So he's like, I would probably have to charge you for three sessions for one because of the travel time. Because, you know, he's, yeah. he would have been training someone in that hour. But he said, I have a friend who lives in Silver Lake who's a trainer who could come and visit you. That's so, great. Yeah, it's great. Oh, yeah. So I train with um, my guy Stevie Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and then I train with Fahudi on a Wednesday or on a Friday. Oh, wow. You, that's something very serious for you, right? Like you're working out and... Yeah, it's like a... It's probably more of a mental health thing mm-hmm. than a physical health sure. thing. You know, yeah. on, on days where I'm not like physically active and sweating, I just don't feel quite as up about stuff, endorphin-wise and appetite-wise. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's also a social thing. I get a chance to see Ryan. I get a chance to see Stevie. Um, I just, yeah, more than anything else, the thing that I've attached to, to that is on days where I don't work out, I just feel a little bit more humdrum than on days when I do. Well, that's what they say. The biggest thing for mental health is move your body, right? Really? 
Really? Well, one of. I don't want to say the biggest, but that's, that's a big the biggest part thing of it. in my life for my mental health. How do you guys do it? Right now, I just do these little yoga videos at home because, like, during the pandemic when we couldn't go anywhere and we were re- really safe, I got into doing these little videos, yoga with Adrian, huge freaking fan of hers. Cool. And it keeps me going. Yeah, great. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's enough for me. Like, 30 minutes of yoga a day and I'm good. I like to do more, but, you know. Yeah. I'm not a fan of yoga. <laughs> we get into we this debate this a lot. all the time. Yeah. Uh, well, how come you tried it? I try it. It's just not, I like Pilates is my preference. If I'm doing something, that's been the one thing I found that I actually like. Right. You know. Which the, so for people that don't necessarily know the difference between Pilates and yoga, how would you define it? Well, Pilates, you, I like the Pilates where you actually use the machine, a reformer, or there's a Cadillac where you're actually on a machine doing things. Yeah. There's mat Pilates as well, which might be a little bit more relatable to yoga, but it's just you feel like you're really doing things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I respect yoga and I, especially from a mental standpoint. Yeah. Right. It'd be weird if you didn't. Could you if imagine like, like fuck no yoga for that, for that practice? Yeah. yeah. Complete <laughs> disrespect. Um, this has been such an amazing conversation. <laughs> like we've really, I feel like covered so much. Yeah. And honestly, Dom, you were coming in like we've, heard of you she's met you for years and i feel like i know same, you but same, same. i just couldn't wait to really get into it with you and learn more and yeah. we've always heard such amazing things oh well that's very sweet it's the same for me too yeah we all we, we all share a, a lovely friend and um i've heard about you guys for years it's good i mean everyone's got a podcast nowadays right yeah as do you a very successful one <laughs> yeah who i saw um, yesterday uh dom records in the same studio i do for the oc one and i Heard you were next door and I came in and barged in on your podcast. Yeah, we had a, we had a hectic day yesterday because we had Kelly Marie Tran, who I worked with on Star Wars, in there. And then coming in straight after was Rob Corddry. So then we're in that slight, oh my God. <laughs> we're in that slightly like awkward position where... With a lot of flaming hot Cheetos around. I'm not yeah, sure what was, that was about, that was but Kelly Marie's thing. I'm a big so, fan. <laughs> well, yeah, oh, really? So she is too. We do this thing called Billy and Dummy at the World where we ask, we ask our guests to like bring in a food or beverage item that kind of has a story. So she brought in those. Oh, amazing. Oh, we, we brought them in for her. But um, <laughs> we were in that like slightly weird, not weird, but like ha- hard to navigate thing where the next show needs to start. Right. But you also don't want to kick the previous guest oh, God, down. So and awkward. then the Boy. next guest shows up and he wants to start. And yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Hey, okay. And you know, so. It's that awkward, you know, thing at a party. Like, when do I leave? When do uh, I- <laughs> Are you enjoying doing the podcast? Yeah, I enjoy working with Billy in any Yeah, aspect. you get to work with one of your best yeah. friends. And, and you guys yeah. know, it's just, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's fun and, um, you know, it's a fun medium to work in. You know, it's a bit of a schlep to get out there. Um, it's deep, deep valley. It's deep valley. And there's a few like businessy things where you just, you know, it becomes a little irksome. The ads is something that you, know, <laughs> you guys do ads, right? Ads. Ads, commercials. Oh, the ads. Yeah, yeah. Commercials. I was yes. like the ants. Ants. I thought you said I was ants like, again. Do you were like, is oh, a no. studio infested <laughs> with ants? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the ads. The ads is, it just like makes me feel like cringy. a little bit icky. So yeah. we, we've made it really clear that like we only want to work with things that we use. Okay, you that's know? amazing. Yeah. So the things that we talk about, we we actually have some experience with. But even the yeah. things that you have yeah. a little bit of experience with, you feel a little tacky. <laughs> that's like, part of it, right? Hey, you have to sell do you have it. Life insurance. I know. Do you know I what know. though? Life insurance is really important. Mm-hmm. It really is. And now we have a message from... No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but this has been so much fun. So we end every uh, conversation with a game. Oh, cool. Mary Berry, One Night Stand. 
So you Bury get to under choose. the ground. Yeah. yeah, under the ground. We're going to give you people. Stand. One night stand. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah, we're going to give you people. <laughs> if you're comfortable. Yeah, let's do it. Let's well, is this something that you've thought of beforehand? Well, we think yeah. of people before, so we're not scrambling at the well, end. Okay. So we came up with Amanda Seyfried. Mm-hmm. You know who that is, mm-hmm. right? Ava um, Mendez. Sure, Ava Mendez. And Christina Applegate. Great. So Mary, Barry, One Night Stand. All right. So um, Mary, Christina Applegate, because she's funny and Hilarious. cool. And, Wise uh, choice. So rad. Um, <laughs> Uh, I feel like they'd both be kind of fun. And yeah. <laughs> Wait, Ava Mendes is married to... Gosling. Gosling. So Ava Mendes, just because she's just more objectively kind of smoking hot. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I really don't want to uh, bury Amanda Seyfried. I, I, I think she's kind of interesting as, a, as, a, as an actor, and I, I think she's fun, but I think I'd... Yeah. Choice, yeah. yeah. I okay. totally feel solid about that. Yeah. Because like yeah. Ava Mendes, you're like... Because I kind of got it, right? right. I got to go got there it. at least one night. And I for sure would marry Christina Applegate. Yeah. Funny, intelligent. Funny, pretty, Great cool. performer. She's had an interest in life. Yeah. And, you know, she's obviously, you know, been through some stuff. She yeah. just seems, uh, outside of all of those challenges and stuff, she just seems to be kind of up and positive and yeah. cool yeah. about stuff. So. Uh, yeah. Did you watch Dead to Me? Yeah. Did you watch Married with Children? Mm-hmm. I didn't quite get to America in time. Yeah, because like, it's like growing it's, up here. It yeah, was on. yeah. I got to this. I moved to the states in two thousand one. Oh wow! So at that point, I think Married with Children. Oh yeah, no, Long was gone. off the air. <laughs> yeah, right? um, reruns were going. Yeah, the reruns yeah, yeah, were going. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I like him. I did uh, like a press day with him. Uh, the the guy Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill from uh, Modern Family now. Right. Um. But at the time, he was like um, the guy from Married with Children. So I did like a press day with him and Courtney Cox and someone else. I can't remember. And Ed and I just sat down for like a couple of hours and ended up really getting into a conversation about boxing. Because I guess he's like <laughs> a big boxing fan. And I'm okay with boxing. I kind of am into it. But any opportunity to talk to someone about something that they're passionate about, I'm like, all right, let's do this. Oh, awesome. And he went off. He went <laughs> off for like a good like 45 minutes to an hour. And I really enjoyed his company. And I think Modern Family is kind of sweet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. Schmaltz yeah. yeah, it's great. Yeah, sweet. it's a great show. You should go back and watch Married with Children because it's incredibly funny. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. I we wonder if it, it holds up. Of course it holds up. It's probably so inappropriate now, though. That's what I mean. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely inappropriate, but we grew up on it. Like my grandpa, we would sit down. Uh, we always, we always like, you know, do callbacks from it. To but but Golden Girls is your all-time favorite sitcom? I love Golden Girls. Brilliant. It's really well written. I'm a Agreed. big, like, cozy friends person falls asleep to, yeah. you know? I know that's, like, whatever. I, I couldn't say what my favorite is. Could you? I would say Married for me... Well, no. Mine is a toss-up. I would say all-time favorite, Cheers. Lovely show. Yeah. Cheers, yeah. Golden Girls, Friends. Or Cheers, Golden Girls, Married with Children. Yeah, I would say friends. friends isn't before that. What about you? Do you have? Mm, favorite sitcom. I mean, it's probably out of England, so you wouldn't know it. Um, there's, there's a sitcom called The Royal Family with an E at the end of uh, Royal um, <laughs> about a working class family out of uh, England that just sit around and watch TV. And don't, it's a little bit like Married with Children. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably that has a, a huge amount of kind of um, strong feelings for me with. But in terms of the American ones, um, probably 
Friends is my favorite American sitcom. Although, I mean, I love it. Don't get me wrong. I have read a few articles over the years where they're like, it's creaking a little bit with age in terms of the way that it approaches things like female beauty, male handsomeness, homosexuality. I think everything... It, it, it all eventually dates. Right, right, yeah. I think everyone was hoping that Friends would always be kind of cool and yeah, edgy yeah. and stuff. And I still think it's amazing. And, and, it, and it does some really positive things about those things. There's a weird thing that goes on which, which doesn't quite feel like the correct kind of signature for Friends, where Joey and Chandler, who clearly love and care for each other on a deep level, have moments where they're like, oh, but we're not gay. And you're like, oh, yeah. really? Why would those Why characters would... care about that that much? Right. You know? I think oh. two guys that love each other and they hug. Like and... you and Billy being roommates on. The... Yeah. Like, I don't, <laughs> it doesn't bother me if people are like, oh, so you guys are together? I'm like, well, no, I love him, but we're not together. He's married. I would think Chandler and Joey genuinely would be like, well, no, we're both straight, but we're all, clearly we love each other. Right. Like, he's, he's my guy. Right. So I feel like the writers are like just slightly off with that idea for those characters because mm. outside of that they seem cool and groovy like you know that if Ch let's say Chandler and Joey took a road trip together and they checked in at a hotel and the hotel were like sorry there's only one room they'd be like all right well we'll just top and tail for a night it's not a big deal they're not triggered by do they think we're gay you know so yeah. that feels it off feels dated yeah, yeah just slightly off but like what was the best nap ever was that with Ross and yeah Ross, the, and the, Ross and Joey. Ross and Joey. Yeah. On the couch. Yeah, because yeah. they spooned. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's the best nap And they want to do it again. Yeah, I love yeah. that. <laughs> I think it my all-time favorite, I mean, this, the, that show is epic, but epic. I think my all-time favorite episode is the one where Joey plays the pyramid game. Oh, my God. A ghost. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. Joey, ha a lot of laugh-out-loud moments, I find. Yeah. Joey, Phoebe. I mean, Thieves they all do. Great. I'm just going to name do. the cast. And just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. just name every single one. I'm like, the yeah, best they moments. all have their moments. They, they do. They, they were all written for really great at different times. Coming towards the end of that show, I think Matt LeBlanc got the best writing because they were hoping to see the Joey spinoff. Right. There was um, a season where Ross had the best writing. There was a season where Rachel and Ross obviously did some good stuff. Chandler, like season three, Chandler was popping up. I would argue that Courtney Cox is the one that gets probably sidelined the most because she's... Unfortunately, funny when she wears the fat suit. And when she's not wearing the fat suit, she's just a little neurotic and slightly annoying. She has moments, but it's she's so not. I, I we do have love this, it, though. We have this debate and conversation a lot, <laughs> Leah included. Yeah. And we always say, you know, flashback Monica. Hilarious. Favorite, yeah. right? But yeah, I feel like she's probably gets the least, you know, punchy, laugh out loud moments. She would, I think, if you sat, on a long haul flight with any of the characters from Friends, <laughs> the one who could potentially annoy you the most would be Monica. Could she yeah. be like, oh, could I get a soda water, but could you not touch the rim of the glass and can I get lemon, <laughs> but don't touch the lemon. I need a coffee, but can I get it in a paper? We all have that friend, don't we? Yeah, a little we bit. Do? I don't know. It just sounded like the, the thing to say. The, <laughs> yeah, the new <laughs> I just think they, they all seem really fun to hang out with and I'm sure Monica would be too. But that level of neuroses that she hmm. has with the whole house needing to be spick and span and cleaned and stuff. She has the closet. Yeah, she has She the does have the closet. closet. Everyone has the closet. Yeah. It worked there. Yeah. My my house is like 
I get my house cleaned, like whatever, every like two or three weeks by these lovely ladies who come in and, and they have all the, you know, they have all the chemicals that I don't have. So the house gets like really cleaned. I have to admit that for the next probably two days, while it's smelling of crisp pine chemicals and all kind of spick and span, I don't love it. I'm okay with it. <laughs> I like my house to just start to feel lived in just a little bit. Yeah. My you house know, is eternally Monica Monica's closet. Them. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I walk in, I walked into a freshly clean house the other day and I can feel the joy bubbling in my heart. Like when I smell that someone else did something, Mm -hmm. I'm like, (laughs) oh my, it's like. That could be taken a few ways, Lou. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean. (laughs) Right. So your house is spick and span all the time. No. I mean, I want it to be. Mm. She's really good at cleaning it I like it neat. I like it organized and neat. I have helped doing it. Like all all the people on board are on board, you know. But when someone else comes in and cleans, great joy, yeah, pure joy. I have. I'm going to ask you, you guys, a question. Yeah. Maybe because I asked this on my podcast as well, and we've yet to get an answer. But maybe your listeners might might have this answer too. So, um, you know, I'm lucky enough that I have a relatively big wardrobe. It's not that big, but you know, <laughs> like I have like. I've thrown away all the t-shirts that don't fit and I've thrown away all the t-shirts that I don't like. So now I have t-shirts that fit me just fine that I really like. And I'm like, well, why would I throw away something that fits me fine and looks good, I think. So I'll just store it. So, but what happens is because let's say in my wardrobe, there's a hundred t-shirts. I'm not going to go through those a hundred t-shirts anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Right. So, what I'm there's a spider over there. So what I'm what, <laughs> what kind? What kind? <laughs> I can't yeah. see from this distance. It does look like a jumping spider, but I'd have to get a little bit closer. But it's on the wall there. Uh, see, it's oh, climbing there up. It is. Yeah, it is a jumping spider. I can tell by the way it's moving. Definitely a jumping spider. The way that they do that little staccato movement and stuff. Those guys don't scare me. Yeah, they're cute. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so you you know you get that like. You go to grab the T-shirt that you've not worn for six months and it has this like fusty kind of like it's been hanging in a wardrobe thing. And I'm thinking, how do I combat that? I don't want to be washing a hundred T-shirts every two weeks to make sure that at some point in six months' time, the T-shirt that I pick... Are they in a drawer or are they hanging up? Some of them are hanging up. Some of them are rolled up and put in like a Tetra Pak box with like, you know, those cedar planks? Yeah. Put those cedar planks in Because I'm off. Yeah, I have an idea. Please, Olivia. Yeah, every time you um, take out a fresh shirt to wear, one that hasn't that hasn't been sitting there for six months, yeah, you pull one from the six month pile and throw it in the dirty clothes. So then, whenever you're doing laundry, you're cycling. Okay, I was going to cool. say get like a lavender sachet. Did the whole no because they feel they're not fresh. They feel gross. Yeah. They feel weird. Fusty. So you got yeah. So your 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 theory is to wash. Wash here and yeah, there, but you but... don't have to do a hundred at a time. It's like you'll be. I would never do on... that, though. That's my thing. Well, my concern with that is if I did that, then put it back in a wardrobe of a hundred. How am I going to know which one is that the fresh washed. one that I wash and which one is not? Oh, because you need it, <clears throat> you need it organized. She's getting, in... she's giving you a whole organization. You need I, it I organized. Color coded currently, but it needs to be in piles. <laughs> like you know which ones you wear, right? And yeah. those need to be in one stack, and then the other ones have their own life. You take your shirt from your stack that you wear, you put it on, you pull one from the stack you don't, boom, into the hamper. Okay, I like it. I like so this then one. when it's, you just you, you just have one stack you live with. Okay. 
And each time you take one of those other ones in, in the hamper, and then you have the certain amount that go in the stack you wear. All right. There I'll you let go. you know how that goes. I went to pull a t-shirt today and I was like, oh, that's a rad t-shirt. I'm going to wear it. And then it, I got it close to me and I was like, that feels like it's just come straight from a thrift store. <laughs> but I haven't, wa- I washed it and I put it up on a hanger, but it's been sat on a hanger for like nine months. Yeah, yeah you can't have that. <clears> there you go. She has I a system the, for you. I did the mothball thing. That yeah. didn't work because now everything smells of mothballs. You don't want to smell disgusting. of mothballs. No, no, no. That's All like right. my grandmother's basement. Yeah. I feel you on that. I it's really do. It's a strange do. one, right? I love that that's the question. You're like, I have a question that has not well, been able to be answered. I asked it on my podcast and yeah. we've not got back any adequate answer. I feel that like that's a pretty good me, solution. That's, yeah, that's good. good. And, on that note, <laughs> and on that note, thank, thank you, for you coming. so much for coming. It's nice to hang out with you guys. Yeah, so absolutely. Fun. We're going to do more of it in Peru. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. We got to yeah. get Lee on board. Yeah, yeah. sure. 100%. <laughs> Okay, so I could have spoken for five hours just about venomous animals alone and like showing pictures. Like I said to Dom, like he sh- he's his own app, just like showing him different things around my house and asking if I should be scared or, well, I guess his whole thing is never to be scared. But I really could have talked to him about it for a very long time. I have many questions. And I felt the same about the ayahuasca. <laughs> and you were terrified talking about all the venomous animals. Like Olivia was like almost in a panic attack. Yeah. And I have a feeling other people will be too. Really? Rob, how do you feel about... You don't think? Venomous animals. Certain animals. I don't... Um, like, we we get spiders out of our house and put them outside. You don't kill them. So I'm, I'm fine handling spiders. But if it's a black widow, I'm not, I'm not touching that thing. Well, he was kind of well, like... what do you do then? Yeah, what do you do? Do you kill black widows instantly if they're... If it's a danger to my family, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna kill it. What qualifies? Um, like what makes it a danger to your family? If they're venomous, like a what? What did oh. he said? It's a problem. Well, how did he phrase? Yeah. Well, I I I may I take a glass cup and put it over it, and then does it have to be glass? Under. Yeah, I never kill. I mean, I have a black widow. I'm not gonna lie, but now after talking to Dom, you I'm have like, one. What is no, that? I have that mean? killed. I have killed a black oh. widow in my day, and we have brown widows as well. But after talking to Dom, I'm kind of like, well, I feel bad. I always feel bad killing anything. I mean, mosquitoes, not so much. I actually killed a mosquito this morning, smacked it against my windshield, and <laughs> thought about this conversation and felt bad. Oh, mosquitoes! I don't think you need to feel bad about. Well, I don't understand what they do to the circle of life. Like, where do they fit in and how do we benefit Just from them? spread disease. Right. But and I'm really curious, like, why are they here other than to, like, take species out? What is their purpose? Have you ever thought about this? I've thought about that with a lot of things. <laughs> um, apparently, they provide food for fish and other wildlife. They do? So, they people feed on them. Oh. People? Not people. An- animals, things. Things feed oh. on them. Oh, so I noticed last night, I did not know. I have bats, okay? In my backyard. Bats That's eat mosquitoes. That's actually good. I yeah. know. So, yeah. I guess they are food. But like, they're not any like species only food, are they? <laughs> no, but birds, fish, bats, insects, amphibians, okay. reptiles right. eat them. Well, anyway. Uh, apparently, they, re- they remove waste. Okay, so they have a purpose. Fine. Up north, we had bats, and we didn't have the mosquito problem. We moved back here, 
on mosquitoes. I'm like, we could use some bats. I'd rather bats than mosquitoes. Oh, for sure. I'm also a little worried about your party, Elliot's birthday party. Like, do I have to be in full-on insect repellent? Oh, really? Is it like that? No, well, you were saying it was like that at your house. But in my mind, I guess I always think it's like a night thing. Yeah. I'll be getting there at four. Oh, yeah. Duh. <laughs> it's getting close to night. Um, I would wear a hazmat suit. <laughs> I've got on Amazon, there's this like mosquito net uh, thing. <laughs> Please. I'll send Please. you. Please. I would wear it. Happy birthday to our little Elliot, who's seven. He's seven. Today, he and Briar are the yeah. same age for one month. I know. I always think that. It's cute. He's cute. He's really excited. And did he get presents this morning? No, we're saving them for when he's done with school. But I did get him this cool present that he gets to create his own comic book, which I'm really excited about because he's oh, really into fun. creating comic books. Yeah. Last night, he uh, told me some interesting stories that made me really sad. Oh, no. He said that. He said that he doesn't play with anyone at school and what? that, uh, yeah, a group of second graders came up to him and said, we're tired of seeing you sit alone on the bench at recess and lunch. Do you want to play with us? And he said, let me think about it. And they came back and he said they gave an actual speech and they were like, you shouldn't be sitting by yourself. You need to be playing. You need to be doing this. Like, And he still said, let me think about what's it. What's wrong with him? <laughs> so, well, we said, what's going on there? And it was like bedtime at this point. And he goes, I don't feel comfortable playing kickball. I just don't know how to play well enough. And Jeff goes, that's it. Let's go outside. We're teaching you how to play kickball. How to so be it, athletic. <laughs> yeah. So at eight o'clock at night last night, me, Jeff, and Elliot, Jeff, Elliot, and I, uh-huh. how's that work? Yeah. Played kickball. Where was Shep? Asleep. Oh. You went and played kickball? We went and played kickball to teach him. So I'm hoping today on his birthday, he plays kickball. <gasps> Did My he get heart. any better? He was getting it. He, here's the thing. He didn't know how it worked. He was like, what's a home run? And Jeff's like, oh my God, I failed you. Well, he's, not good enough. he's not good enough. He's not going to hit a home run. <laughs> not with that attitude, yeah, he Rob. I, but he doesn't need to know a home run. He just needs, he can lay down a bunt as long as he can run. That's all he needs to do. He needs Jeff to teach him about sports. Aw. Because I, I don't know anything confident. about sports. I hope he felt confident going to school today. I know. It made me want to cry. Oh, my God. Because he's like, I'll think about it. That's what was going on. He was like, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Well, he does now. He'll do it. He wants to I'll play see. with friends. He'll do it. Well, he doesn't like that they kick the ball at each other. What are we going to do with your son? <laughs> well, I think he's traumatized from his concussion. He's like, I'm scared if I fall and hit my head, I'm going to end up in the hospital again. So I think he's like legitimately traumatized from having a concussion. I don't know. I don't know either. We're keeping him in it, though. Yeah. Okay. You know? <laughs> I mean, I don't, it's just, it's pretty funny. Yeah, keep keep practicing. Little I went to bed really mad last night. Why about kickball? <laughs> no, after kickball, put the kids to bed, and everybody's been talking about, and this is annoying, the bling ring, which is 
really upsetting and annoying. And I started watching it just to like get annoyed. It made me nauseous, sick, and upset. Well, you no wonder you were nauseous last night. Well, how do you feel about like everybody? Because everybody's texting us and calling us I, and being like, oh. our friend, like our friend, our mutual friend, Veronique, sent me clips. And Olivia's in one of them uh, from this like documentary, whatever it is on Netflix, which I won't watch. Like I've never supported anything that's, you know, shed light on the bling ring. Like when Sofia Coppola did the movie, I was like, really? <laughs> well, it's just super personal, right? Because like they stole everything from me. Like person, like my mom's like engagement ring, aside from all the designer shit, you know? Did yeah. you pay for all that designer shit or was most of that gifted to you? Is that relevant, Rob? No, I'm just curious. <laughs> no, I mean, some was gifted for sure. But also like the shoes, I wear a size five or I did before I had a kid. Who the hell can wear my shoes? Why are you stealing my shoes? That's a very small, small percentage of people that can wear them. Did they calculate how much was stolen from you? It was value wise. Yeah, I think it was like over two hundred grand, for sure. I never saw anything again. Completely gone. I've said this before. One of the girls shit in one of my bathrooms, which is way more violating than taking <laughs> anything from me. Um, but it it was it's like such a different level of violation, all of it, and. It keeps it keeps resurfacing, and I'm like, why, why? <laughs> do you, do you feel yeah? Do you feel like the residual PTSD from it still? Even because you don't live there anymore in the same house. No, I definitely don't live in the same house, and I definitely have like crazy security <laughs> now. Um, and so the, I mean, this is gonna sound like I'm the biggest idiot in the world. But when I was in between houses, like bought a house that was being remodeled, I was renting a house and that house was robbed. It wasn't the bling ring, but it was, I believe, paparazzi related who, you know, whatever. And it was like a second wave of all of my nicer shit stolen. So it's like, so at this point in my life, I'm like, okay. Just can't have nice things. I can't, no, basically, I can't have anything. No, she but has also, to have a security guard at her house. Seriously, and I, I have to like, also I have learned a very, I guess it's valuable lesson of letting go of things, you know, especially material things because I have no other choice, but I have learned that um, to let go of those kinds of things. I have not been lucky in that area, but I definitely have like Fort Knox now, so... At least that's improved. So don't even think about it. So don't Bitches. even think about coming here, okay? Uh, but yeah, but no, the documentary sucks. was gross on so many levels. Well, I, I have no desire to watch it. Well, just like even, I'm sorry, but like the way they make it sound like in the beginning, it's like Los Angeles, if you've made it, you're over here in Beverly Hills. And if you haven't made it and you're a loser, you end up in the valley. <gasps> Unless you're in Calabasas, then you're somebody, basically, is the message. And uh, all these kids are being raised with this kind of narrative. And no wonder they thought they had to, you know, not these people, but I'm just saying in general, it just points to the disgusting part of Los Angeles. Oh, it's everything wrong. With this yeah, they really city. they really leaned into that. In that they really leaned. I watched into a little it. bit of it. You did. 
Ugh. Not not the tone that I really really like. But I, I mean, I think it was intentional. I think they were intentionally doing that because it speaks to why the Bling Ring crew was doing it. Yeah, but it's still gross. It's like they're like the haves and the have-nots. And it's like, first of all, yeah, that all exists in LA, but it there's also a lot of amazing people that have morals and values and care about things outside of I will Property say, and prestige, I you think know? we're way better off being raised in the Valley than if we had gone to like Beverly Hills High or like, you know what I mean? It's a di- I'm not saying that uh, there aren't great people that went there or Ooh, shots, people shots fired. raised Yeah, but there. these people were raised in the Valley. What? Yeah. What do you mean? They were raised in the Valley. People lived in the Valley? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the guy was from Granada Hills and then moved to Calabasas. So how are they talking shit? It's not them talking shit. They have a real estate agent that's like, hello. Los oh, Angeles it's just like a documentary yeah. fluff piece. Yeah. Got it. Where it's like trying to paint a picture of like, oh, these poor kids had no choice because this is how you are relevant yeah, in you, this you town. You see these fancy cars driving by and yeah. Yeah, it's like, and my mom drove a Honda. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that exists. It's so did my. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like Ugh, it's it, it all just, so it, it disgusting. honestly made me nauseous. I can't I can't have anything to do with any of those shows or what I I I have a strong aversion. What would you do if you saw her? Which who? Any of them. The girl who shit, I'd hand her a roll of toilet paper and say, wish you well. I would take away a roll of toilet paper from her. <laughs> do you have a square to spare? <laughs> Do you have a square to spare? I actually know that reference. <laughs> you do. I Rob do. doesn't. It's called Seinfeld, Rob. It, it is. Hmm. Anyways. That, that was my girl who yeah. played Star in The Lost Boys. Really? In that episode? Star, Letty. Remember? I was no. obsessed with her. My brother was obsessed with that movie. Oh, I was obsessed with I that I know movie. you are. Uh yeah, I don't know. It's conflicting, right? Like, they get all this attention from what they did, but, like... You don't need to watch it. I'm watching it for you. Okay. Yeah, we're watching it for you. Okay. It's really awful. It's yeah. not good. And the photo they used of Olivia. They didn't use a photo of the video, the video. There's, like, a video of us. Did you see it? Yeah, I look fat and pale. That's what <laughs> Rob's talking see. about. No, you can't even see you. It's from, like, the side. It was from my alcoholism. Days. You can't even see that it's you, though. It's, it's all like a I see side is like, oh, I used you. to have that bag. <laughs> yeah. All I see is I needed to see the sun and take a nap and stop drinking. I remember that day going to the police department and having to like identify things. You did with you, Rachel. Was, doesn't remember. Any of this. <laughs> like, wait, what? What did we do? That's someone, what that footage someone is robbed from. your house, Olivia. What? Someone robbed your house. Huh? No. Wait, we went to the... Have pl- you ever been robbed, Rob? <laughs> uh, yes. Really? How? New Year's Eve, like, three or four years ago, someone broke into our garage and just, like, cleaned it out. Ooh, We were creepy. home, too, and I thought... I heard the garage open and was just, like... Oh. Then I thought it was the neighbors or something, because we were in townhomes, oh and the goodness. garage was, like, lower level but disconnected from the house. And then in the morning, we went down. Garage was 
still open. Both of our trunks were open. Natalie had a bunch of uh, like electronics to be donated in the trunk of her car. So they kind of they took Came a up. bunch of garbage. Mm. Um, <laughs> but they took like a bunch of photography equipment mm. of mine. And that's a Sonos speaker that I've gotten. I was sitting in there. Shitty. Yep. Have you have you been robbed? I've had my car broken into. Um, and taken. I've had my car stolen by someone I know. And that's it, I think. I I I remember once we went to a party. This is back when we were in high school. And this guy was working for this family and he was like, and we were bad kids. We were not great kids. And there he was like, take anything you want. So we like started taking stuff. And I remember taking this like velvet bag and we like took a bunch of stuff from this man's house because the guy was like, just take stuff. And so we did and we were stupid and young and not chill. We got a call the next day that, and he was like, I need to come get all that stuff back. You took my boss's mom's ashes. <gasps> so you were in your own little bling ring of your own. That's what it sounds like. That was Sophia. <laughs> oh, man. That's pretty rough. We gave it back, obviously. <laughs> what if you didn't? I remember <laughs> being like, oh, that. that up on the... They're like, do you have that purple velvet bag? And we're like, no. And then he's like, it's my mom's boss's ashes inside. And we're like, oh, shit. Yes, we have it. They're like, we smoked it. We smoked her. Did you not open it? You didn't feel it? Was it? It had been heavy. We just, we were just like lame kids that filled the backpack with shit because he told us to. The other life Olivia has lived is really mind boggling. <laughs> mind blowing. The stories, they'll come Stealing up. Stealing old ladies' ashes. I mean, we did think about smoking some of them. Some of what? The ashes. Putting a little ash in the... After you knew that it was ashes? I think we were saying that as a joke. We wouldn't have really smoked the guy's mom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Anywho. Anyhow, on that note. (laughs) Well, guys, this has gone on long enough. It's almost as long as the bling ring robbed me because they did it five times. (laughs) Five times. What? How, yeah, how did that happen five times? Was it? I was out. I of don't the know country. much about this. I was um, out of the country. I don't either. It's just what I've heard <laughs> that they it was went five in, times, like over the course of one week. I or? don't know. I have no idea. I just know that they went into the house five different times. I couldn't tell you if it was the same night, this a week, month. I don't know. I spent a lot of and time. Then in you Canada. came home. Had they already? realize there was a break-in like were you contacted now, by I'm the cops i'm trying to remember i might have to ask leah because leah was living with me at the time i have to remember if someone went to the house and called me and was like mm-hmm. you know i think someone did because i i have some memory of someone being like maybe it was my mom you know everything's missing except like it's really weird because all the tvs are still here like you've been robbed but like all the obvious things people rob, you know, and take were still in the house. So they were like, all of your designer bags and shoes 
and clothing are gone. <laughs> the, the valuable stuff. So it was weird, but like TV, you know, all that kind of shit, you think it would be gone too. So, and like yeah, pot I mean, paraphernalia TV's... was gone. So it seemed like a little weird, you know? One thing too that I think is really annoying about the documentary is they make it, and I haven't finished watching the whole thing, but like they make it sound like, you know, celebrities are gifted, all of this stuff. And like being someone that was by your side through the whole thing, like when you first bought your designer bag, when you made the money to buy these things, like it's not like you were gifted all the things that were taken. You no. worked really hard for those things. Oh, and yeah. They oh, were yeah. taken from you. Yeah, for sure. And the messaging is like, oh, it's so easy for celebrities. And it's kind of a bullshit messaging. You know what I always thought at the time when it was going down? I was like, sure, Paris Hilton, like these people. And then me. I'm like, why me? Because <laughs> you, you had good style. Well, but it was just like these huge, Rachel, you're massive a, you're celebrities. You're a style icon. I don't know if you know this. Yeah, Rob. But like no, these that's, huge... That's... But I'm serious, though. These, like, huge celebrities. Like, massive, right? Orlando Bloom. And then Paris me. Hilton. Yeah. And then me. And I was like, this is not... No, I, w- I was serious. That I would have done you if I was a... Yeah. At that point. <sighs> size 5 shoe, guys. That's all I have to say about that. Maybe one of them had a size 5 shoe. Fucked up. I just want to know where it all went. I guess they must have Black sold market. it all. They sold it all. Do you know? Does it say in the documentary? I'm not they, there yet. I, I only think, watched the first episode. I th- think in the first episode they say they sell it and then they were like giving it to their friends. Anything left over that they weren't able to sell, they would just give to friends. It's really fucked. Because the one the one guy said he was a stylist. That's what he like lied to the other people's mom. Because they were like, where'd you get all this stuff and all these designer bags and... They were like, he's a stylist, so he just has this extra stuff he's loaning us. So messed up. It's all coming back to me now. <laughs> Can you sing that? <laughs> no. I thought to. What? <laughs> that was what I was thinking, too, the song. Yeah. Go ahead, sing it. Let's take it out. It's all coming back. <laughs> all right, all guys. All coming back. To me now. What? What? What are you listening to? What Rob? is that? Rob's it's like an doing other things. <laughs> are you watching movie trailers? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Olivia's feeling it. Is this Celine? Who is this? Celine. Yeah. When you touch me like this. (laughs) (laughs) All coming back to me. (laughs) Who makes you guys feel that way? (laughs) Rob, why are you crying? (laughs) (laughs) So my father-in-law is staying with us, Jeff's dad. His wife just recently passed, his wife of 50 years, okay? Mm-hmm. We went to dinner the other night, and Leah came and met us, and she was saying goodbye, and she was like, bye, Michael, so good to see you. I'll see you at Elliot's birthday. And he said, okay, great, I'll be here all week if you'd like to go to dinner. <laughs> okay. 
hitting on you, huh? You're upset. Not me, on Leah. I, on Leah. What do you think of that? Um, my grandpa did that at my <laughs> grandma's funeral. What? What? To who? Uh, some young woman. I mean, she was she was of age. She was like some like thirty year old. We're all like standing up, greeting people when they came in to give their condolences. And this relatively attractive person came in uh, with someone that my grandpa knew, and he goes, "You look exactly like my third wife." So, is this something people do? Is this normal? Yeah, is this like a thing? How old is he? Seventy-four, maybe. Yeah, I mean that's that's checks out Leah's for seventy-four 40 year old. One, for, no, Leah's forty-two, almost 42. forty-three. Yeah. Okay, so maybe. So then Jeff texts her, are you my new mom? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he straight up asked her out to dinner. And it, there, it wasn't in jest? No. I don't think so. No. No. Baller. Leah's got this, like, effect on men where they she all think they can have a chance. She's very good like that. <laughs> yeah. But baller move on Michael's part, I have to say. I was like, oh, okay. I mean, at that point, he he's getting old. He's getting old enough. He just doesn't give a fuck what he says or does. He's got exactly. tats. I mean, come on. He got five tats since his wife passed. <laughs> five yeah. humongous my, tats. My grandpa drove his car into the side of a bank accidentally. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> what? Why am I obsessed with your grandpa now? <laughs> he's since passed. Oh. Um, but, not from that. No, no, not from <laughs> that. He was like just the local bank. He was going to do something and sh- clearly should not have been driving and accelerated into the side <laughs> of the bank. And so he opens the car and he goes, when did you guys put a drive through in? <laughs> <laughs> what was your grandpa's name? Uh, Harold. Harold. Harold's the man. I love Harold. Oh, May he yeah, rest he was, in peace, Harold. He was a maniac. <laughs> I really like him. I love it. Yeah, he's where I get most of my sarcasm from. He's, yeah, I can see it, that. It has to be hereditary, right? Oh, it is. There's always like a good grandpa in there. You knew my or, pop or nurture. Yep. Do I? Did pop pop was in love pop-pop? with Olivia. Yeah, I Again, was his special one. You were his special one, Olivia. He loved you. I know. My pop pop's favorite time joke with him. was always. If we drive by a cemetery, people are dying to get in. <laughs> I miss that man. He was the best. Loved Pop-Pop. Grandpas are great. Harold sounds wonderful. Pop-Pop was Alfred. <laughs> My favorite grandpa, well, really, the only one I knew, um, William. Aw. Who? On that note. Yeah. Farewell. Farewell to our grandfathers and our episode. Oh, I wish I had the Celine Dion song ready still. <laughs> you fucked up, Rob. <laughs> you fucked up, dude. Okay. Bye.